I can already hear the chorus of execration. How dare I say such a horrible thing? How dare I stir up trouble and inflame feelings by repeating such a conversation? My answer is that I do not have the right not to do so. This is the most deceptive, vicious world. It is vicious, it's full of lies, deceit, and deception. See, the Jews are all in the government. And we have got to get in those areas. We've got to get the man in charge of the Jewish Monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. The future belongs to sovereign and independent nations. And now, coming to you from the realm of reason, this is The Fetch, and you are live, Inside the Eye. Inside. All right, everybody, from Riyadh, the capital of Saudi Arabia, this is The Fetch, and you are indeed live, Inside the Eye. Today is dated Saturday, February the 10th, 2024, and a good Saturday morning to everyone up and down the Americas and on into Canada. And a good late afternoon, early evening to everyone in European and West Asian time zones. And a good late Saturday to early Sunday morning to everyone in East Asian time zones. And of course, wherever you are listening out there on the World Wide Web, may all be well with you and yours. Okay, looks like we're going out great. Uh, let's see here. Kind of a... Uh, inclement type of weather day today here overcast skies looks like it wanted to rain throughout most of the day there was a 54 percent chance of rain throughout the day and uh for the most part it was um tried to rain you know got wet a little couple times here a little bit chilly 75 degrees was the high and we're currently down to about 63 degrees which is a little bit cool and uh, still we have a 20-21-22% chance of rain scattered showers throughout the Riyadh, greater Riyadh area that's going to be decreasing through the night and we're going to be going down to an overnight low of 57 degrees and uh, really going into a week of inclement weather we're going to have a lot of overcast skies chances of rain throughout the week up and down but uh, it's okay we kind of need it I'm going to put on my jacket here uh, because it's kind of chilly now ouch I okay, I'll probably take that off as I get the show rolling. But anyways, it's it's been that kind of a week here. Uh, woke up this morning to uh, what appears to be uh, and be is confirmed. It looks like some very sad news. Uh, really, first reported to me, anyways, through grism.blogspot.com, and that is our good friend and longtime warrior in this battle against the Jewish evil cabal, or just this really this Jewish cabal, which happens to be evil. Um, has passed away. That's right. John Kaminsky, uh, really a great patriot, a great warrior in this long time battle against this New World Order ish type of uh, 
Uh, enemy here has passed away at the age of 80. He passed away in his sleep, apparently on the 9th yesterday. It's just starting to go out and make the waves around. Uh, certain people are obviously common. A few eulogies have been uh, put up already. And again, it's really a unfortunate, sad day, actually. John's been really a great friend of Inside the Eye Live. I know he uh, he actually many times told me that uh, Inside the Eye Live was perhaps his most favorite show uh, to come on. He had, was not, you know, as you know, we don't bring in guests all the time. We don't overuse our guests, as many people do. Uh, we're not, you know, trying to sell the guests per se. So uh, we would bring in John from time to time to time, and every time it was always a well-received show, or pretty much always a well-received show, I should say. And um, he's going to be missed. I mean, I was actually thinking of calling him up and bringing him on soon. Uh, but obviously that's not going to be happening. Maybe we'll find some good clips of his and play a little bit, Not if not today, because I don't have it on this laptop. But uh, really, it's an unfortunate thing, as you know, John had been, uh, just to kind of give you the story about my relationship with John, it really goes back to 2003 or four, and uh, this was 2002 even, and this was shortly after the 9-11 attack, you know, by really within six weeks, I knew that the whole storyline that we were being sold by our, really our Jewish controlled media was just a crock of shit, basically. And, um, you know, as you start to research more into it, you realize that really deep state Jewish interests, Israel, PNAC, uh, Project for New American Century, um, Dick Cheney, the neocons, all of these people had a hand in 9-11. I mean, this was clearly an inside job. And you are not going to affect what happened on 9-11 without a lot of treason going on behind the scenes or under, in the shadows or whatever you want to call it. So as we started, if you remember 2002-ish, 2001, really 2002, the Internet was really still the wild, wild west. I mean, you could really post a lot of stuff all over. You had communities just starting to pop up. And uh, as we were researching this, you had Netscape as a search engine. If you remember that, Yahoo was a search engine. I forget the other search engines that may have been out there. I don't even think Google was even really there yet. But uh, I ran across this writer by the name of John Kaminsky. And he was saying pretty much everything I was saying in a way that was as strong as, if not stronger than I was saying. And I, I looked up to this guy back then as, wow, this guy is really something. And as time went by and we started the radio show, I actually reached out to him to become a guest. He did come on. And uh, he became a frequent guest here at Inside the Eye Live. So we're going to miss John, obviously. What you may not know about John is we used to have a show here. Some of you probably remember it. It was called Inside the Eye Live, Primetime. And that show was airing every Thursday night from, what, 7 to 9, I believe it was, Eastern Time. I forget the exact time. But I believe it was 7 to 9 Eastern. And uh, it was canceled because of John. He was the main reason why we canceled Inside the Eye Live. Now, John, I'm probably going to make enemies out of you if you're listening. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, John is the main reason Inside the Eye Live primetime was canceled. And the reason for that is John had been such a great writer, prolific writer, and he started a new show called Kaminsky Goes Ballistic or something like that. And he was running a show on a Thursday uh, with, I don't remember, I think Kaminsky and Gaddy, I think it was called something, Kaminsky, Gaddy, 
go ballistic. I don't know what, what the show was called, but nonetheless, they had a show on Thursday night and it was going from like five to eight, no, no, six to eight, which would have ate into like an hour of Inside the Eye Live uh, prime time. So, uh, out of respect to John, I decided to, uh, when I came over, we would just not, you know, infringe on John's space at the time, and we made a decision to drop the show. So once that decision was made, I just didn't have a desire to bring it back. You know, that Thursday night show is a very difficult show for me to do because it airs 1 to 3 p.m. Uh, a.m. here local time. So John actually, because he was being having his own radio show, actually two shows a week, and because he was actually had one of the better shows here on speakfreeradio.com, uh, that was why we dropped the show, just out of respect to John. We didn't want to come in and bump John when he was having a very good run. So that was kind of like the history, a little bit of an inside news there, why we dropped Inside the Alive, prime time. But anyways, John obviously is going to be missed out there. A lot of people appreciated his writing. Uh, he was a, a prolific writer back in the day. Obviously, as you get older, you slow down, but he was still putting out an article every one to three weeks, something like that. His uh, website, johnkaminsky.com, I believe, is still up there. You're gonna, you can actually go back and look at some of his work. I will try to update, I think, my website. You know, I know some of you are still actually using it, at least to get to the show, and that's very appreciated. But I will uh, really try to maybe put some of John's stuff up there, some of the interviews, things of that nature, in case you want to go back. Looking at a picture of him here now, <laughs> John, that was something, man. We never did video, never ever did video. I told him, look, I do a radio show. We don't need to do video. And so I never did a video with him. And uh, that's okay, too. But nonetheless, uh, that's that's the news. John Kaminsky dead at the age of 80. Again, he would he was in some uh, had a lot of heart problems and difficult times going for quite some time, apparently reading up on some what people were saying. So uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but at least he dedicated quite a bit of years to advancing this genre. And again, he is certainly a pioneer. Uh, in this genre, in this in this information battle space, of which we are just a small portion of that battle space, but certainly we, we do remain one of the more important aspects of that battle space. So, John, uh, he will be missed, and I'm sure uh, if he's looking down now, he's probably listening to Inside the Alive because I know he actually liked the show. So, anyways, there you have it. Really an unfortunate and kind of a sad day relative to John, you know, relative to what's happening out there. Again, we've lost a lot of great people over the years, and John is certainly one of the pioneers. All right, uh, let's move on to events here in uh, Saudi Arabia, and that is the World Defense Show. The World Defense Show is really one of the more, uh, I don't know what to call it, uh, uh up-and-coming defense shows in the world. You know, it was out there put up to compete with, let's say, IDEX, the International Defense Exposition, which is in Abu Dhabi every two years. And a lot of these defense shows, military, police, security shows, the major ones, they come out every every two years. And, and before the pandemic, the shows I would work would be Millipol in Paris, Military and Police Expo. Uh, I would work IDEX in Abu Dhabi. And of course, we were a pioneer here. We were one of the first to represent, to be inside of the World Defense X, or not World Defense, but the World Defense Show uh, here in Riyadh. And this year, we had quite a successful 
And I know the organizers very, very well, by the way. But the event showcased 773 exhibitors, which is a lot, frankly, uh, better than four years ago, that's for sure. Welcomed 441 official delegations from 116 countries and had over 106,000 visitors. Throughout the event here, there were some 73 agreements inked, including 17 industrial partnerships. Um, that is according to Engineer Ahmed Al-Ali, the Governor of General Authority for Military Industries, also known here locally as GAMI. And uh, support underscores really that WDS is WDS or the World Defense Show is really a premier global event here. And uh, again, we'd like to thank the organizers. It, it was really uh, an uh, extremely well done show. Seriously, I'll try to put some pictures up from the show on my website over the week, try to kick some things off. But one of the things that was here were, of course, the Russians. I was not far from the Russian uh, pavilions. You has Roseboro Ros- and Export or something like that, United Aircraft. You had um, obviously many other different uh, Russian companies here. We had a lot of American companies off in the uh, Western Hemisphere Pavilion, Hall Number One, as it was as it was called here locally. Hall Number. Now, here's the thing about World Defense Show, and we've said so many times that Saudi is changing. I had a colleague of mine come in from Italy, and he was shocked. He, the last time he was in Saudi was eight years ago, and he said it was just a nightmare to get in. And I said, yeah, eight years ago, it may have been a nightmare. But he said he came in. Uh, everybody that had a World Defense Show badge, if it was pre-printed, they were given essentially VIP treatment, a diplomatic, almost a diplomatic level grade treatment. Uh, there was a special line for them. They were able to get through. They were literally chauffeured, uh, meet and greet style to the local telecommunication carriers. So they could get a local SIM card if they wanted to. They were then hand walked out to pick up taxis so that they would not be preyed upon by a lot of these uh, fly-by-night, let's just say, illegal taxi operators that come in just to prey on tourists or prey on visitors here to the kingdom. And they said, man, they were just absolutely shocked at just how awesome uh, Saudi Arabia had become. They went out to dinner. They're seeing mixed couples. They're seeing women by themselves. They're saying none of this was un- not, nothing. No, no way. They just didn't receive this eight years. Ago. I said, yeah. The last three years have been unbelievably uh, changing here. And also, we had a gal come in, another colleague came in from uh, Singapore, and she drove a car. You know, she got rented a car, drove around. See, all of this was unheard of. Now, you may think, okay, Dennis, that's no big. No, no, it's a big change here in Saudi. The uh, people here, especially the younger generation, absolutely adore and admire what MBS, the crown prince, is doing, Mohammed bin Salman, is doing here for the kingdom. He's wiped out a vast majority of the corruption, which means that the old guard, the people with all the wasta and the connections, they're not able to just take everything. It leaves a lot of opportunities now for the younger generation to try to participate, to do something meaningful with their lives here. And of course, Saudi has a lot of problems, just like every other country, but certainly uh, it's doing a hell of a lot better than, let's say, what Biden is doing in America or what you've had, the succession of people from 
Theresa May to Boris Johnson on down to this, whatever this Rishi Sunak clown are doing in the UK, or the absolute war on the citizens that most of the EU is, the European Union is doing against most of the countries in the EU. See, all of this, the problems aren't like that at all. It's much, much better now. So another fascinating aspect of what is happening here is the way in which the Saudi government opens itself up. I mean, they had here locally a hall, which was hall number two. And the hall was literally just all the various government government ministries that are important to this sector, whether it's Ministry of Interior, Ministry of Defense, any of the development bodies. I was actually at the Ministry of Interior uh, booth, and I had uh, somebody come by and ask me to do a short little 20-second sound clip, you know, just a little radio clip, uh, video clip for the Ministry of Interior, of, of which I was very happy to do because, hey, why not? You know, it's kind of cool to get asked to be doing some type of television clip. I believe one of my colleagues was um, interviewed by television stations, local television stations, so all in all, it's a fantastic show. You know, we had air shows every day. You had the Chinese acrobatic team flew in, and they were flying their aircraft. Uh, they put on a short little, I don't know, 20-minute, 30-minute show. Then we had a show put on by um, the Typhoon, uh, the Eurofighter. Uh, that thing is so loud, man. When that thing put on its afterburners, that thing will just break your eardrums. But we had uh, that come out. We had shows. I don't know who else was there. there I believe there was an F-16 on display uh, doing a little bit of maneuvers up in the sky. And then we had, of course, the Saudi uh, acrobatic team, uh, Air Force acrobatic team. Then they did and pretty much closed out the show. And they were they're, they're very, very good, very talented uh, pilots, to say the least. We had uh, units from the United States, from London, uh, from North Carolina, from I think it was Alabama. I, I tried to talk to all of our servicemen there that were actually out on the tarmac. Uh, just say, hi, where are you from? You know, wish them well. Uh, thank them for coming in, you know, to contribute and uh, having a safe journey back wherever they were located. But for the most part, I believe it's North Carolina. Uh, Al no, Wisconsin. We had a, we had a unit, air unit from Wisconsin was in, and then we had an air unit from the United Kingdom. So, uh, again, I made sure to stop by and say hello, uh, thank them for coming and all of that kind of fun stuff. If you heard about a week and a half ago, 10 days, something like that, there was supposed to be a prisoner exchange between the, so the, between the Russians and the Ukrainians. There was something like 60-some-odd Ukrainian soldiers boarded an Ilyushin IL-76, and then they were flying and were hit by a Patriot missile. That is now actually confirmed somewhere over and near Belgorod in southern Russia. Well, we had actually an IL-76 here uh, at the show, so I was able to basically walk up to the actual aircraft. I couldn't go past the barriers, but essentially you were right next to the aircraft. I mean, you're up right against the nose of the aircraft. So I uh, surely I got pictures of myself with the the IL-76. We had the uh, A-10 here. F-16s, of course, were here. We had so many different helicopters, Apaches, Chinooks. Uh, some helicopters I actually don't even know. I'd have to go look it up. We had uh, some private aircraft. We had a Gulfstream. It's like an $80 million aircraft was here. What else? We had, of course, a couple C-130s from different 
different uh, entities. We had some C-130s from Turkey, although I believe those C-130s were used to actually fly in a lot of the Turkish uh uh, you know, units that were on display here. So all in all, it was a, it was a fantastic week. I was dead though, actually, after it worked. I worked the thing very hard, but if you ever get a chance to go to any of these shows, we certainly highly recommend that you take an opportunity to see what is happening in the world of defense, in the world, just so you know, first of all, what is available, what you may have to fight one day, unfortunately, and of course, what you can use and how you can defeat things and how you can how you can uh, utilize certain technologies, expand your horizons. All of this is all very, 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 very important. So that is the World Defense Show. Uh, let's see. We want to just kind of, before we get started here too much, we want to go to, let me close these John Kaminsky stories um that's too bad i miss john that's really too bad uh 80 years though it's a good run guys it's a pretty good run uh let's see where else do we want to go here to i think i put everything today into no i didn't no i didn't i'm not even there all right john if you'd like to join us then why don't you join us in the chat room inside the ilive.com forward slash forward slash live dash chat or hit the live chat button on the menu bar if you want to go to the website inside the com and live i can type live chat and uh, it's pulling up now and uh it is um it's humming along it's kind of quiet there but uh uh, anyways, it's humming along. So, uh, hello there. I'm going to set my name here, which means I'll log in and just be patient with me, guys. There we go. Log in. Oh, y'all, come on. There we go. Log in. And I believe I'm now logged in. Hello, everybody. Just a quick hello. I know it's an exciting radio. Don't worry. We got three hours of intelligent media to go. All right. So anyways, there, it's a quick hello. And uh, pretty much everybody there I see are people that are pretty much always there. So uh, there you go, Zap. If I ever die suddenly, make sure you do a, a short eulogy on me, would you? So this is the Petra show or the other one. I don't even know what Zap means. Sometimes this guy's crazy. Uh, let's see. Now, what I did here is last week, we've been having a lot of problems with the show technologically, uh, technology-wise, is uh, some freezing. We've been having the browsers freeze. So we actually stopped using Brave. We've gone over to Microsoft Edge. Let's see if we have a better show with Microsoft Edge. Because frankly, we were having too many uh, too many problems with the browser freezing, and that was where you were getting the problems with the show itself. And that's of course not cool. So, anyways, inside the alive.com, click on the live chat button if you want to see the show here. You can come into inside the eye live. I'm not even recording. How stupid is that? I was going to record this thing. Uh, start recording. All right, <laughs> I'm just going to record now. Anyways, you can come into. SpeakFreeRadio.com. That's SpeakFreeRadio.com. Click on the live chat button. Or no, SpeakFreeRadio.com forward slash ITEL. And let me open up the camera there. So now the camera is live. There's nobody there now. You you guys are all hiding, I guess. But anyways, I've opened up the camera there. So um, you, if you want to see me, just stream it. I'm there now. I think when I'll start streaming next week, maybe I will go to Telegram, my Telegram channel, and open that up. As you know, my 
social media accounts have all been taken down. Um, uh, Cloudfair has blocked what appears to be blocking all of the stream going into uh, Gav from Saudi Arabia. So I'm not able to reach my, my Gav account. I don't know if it's just a global thing, a Saudi thing, an IP block thing. I don't know what's going on. But nonetheless, my Gav account is down. So about the only place you can actually see me for anything is at uh, Telegram at Radio ITEL. That's Telegram at Radio ITEL or Minds at Radio ITEL. And frankly, I don't use Minds too much. Uh, also, of course, Facebook, which is my name, Dennis Fetcho. You should be able to find me there. And there you have it. Now, as we get into the next half hour, I want to talk a little bit about or comment about uh, the Tucker Carlson uh, Putin interview. I, I did watch the whole thing. I want to actually go back and watch it again, if only this time to watch the facial expressions, you know, just to catch a little bit more. But for you or the vast majority of you, I should say. Oh, listen to Inside the Eye Live, or maybe because I'm just a little bit more educated than others. I didn't find the interview, honestly, that um, impressive as far as new information or details. It seemed pretty a candy interview. It wasn't all that that much. There wasn't all that much information that we all don't already know about, or I presume that you know about. But nonetheless, I'm going to get into that a little bit coming up. On the other side of the break, it's the fetch inside the airline. Back after this. You're listening to Speak Free Radio, the free speech internet radio platform. Hello, I'm Jodie Kay, and I'm here to tell you about my debut album, The Acorn. The Acorn is a concept album with 14 tracks. It's an album of three parts. The first part is in honor and memory of those who have lost their lives or had their lives taken. The middle section honors traditional folklore. The second half is dedicated to us, to inspire us and to remind us of our duty to preserve our history and our culture so that we can pass this on to future generations. The album is available on CD and digital download from my website www.jodyk.com For what we do today will be I think there are two ways in which people are controlled. First of all, frighten people, and secondly, demoralize them. An educated, healthy, and confident nation is harder to govern. And I think there's an element in the thinking of some people. We don't want people to be educated, healthy, and confident because they would get out of control. (laughs) The top 1% of the world's population own 80% of the world's wealth. It's incredible that people put up with it. They're poor, they're demoralized, they're frightened. And therefore they think perhaps the safest thing to do is take orders and hope for the best. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. It is the Fetch Inside the Eye Live, intelligent media for the politically aware, right here on speakfreeradio.com and inside the com. Gosh, that sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> just kidding. All right, uh, let me just give you a quick eye tail cat report because we don't do too many cat reports anymore. But man, I got a cat waddling all over the place. You know what I mean? I mean, literally, she's waddling all over the place. Which means I think I got kittens on the way. I mean, the only way she got pregnant was she actually jumped out like a 10-foot, 12-foot window to get down below. And I'll tell you, I had a friend, actually, that had a cat in the Philippines, and this cat was also in heat, and she fell nine stories to get down. And I'll tell you, my cat at uh, 9, 10, 12 feet is, uh, was just fine. And she wasn't there long, but uh, she's already pregnant, it looks like. It's like, damn. So it looks like I got kittens on the way, and uh, at least based on the way she's waddling around. I kind of run out the phones real quick, and uh, gosh, it sounds really good. I don't know if I do, but Bruce, why don't you tell me? Bruce, uh, it's the fetch. Uh, how do I sound out there? Does this sound pretty good to you? Well, you're on 1010 over the air. It sounds really good. I don't know why. Maybe my voice has just got enough coffee, and it's just like perfect. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like you got your tech issues settled. I changed browsers, so let's hope it stays that way. Anyways, hi, and welcome to uh, this Saturday's edition of Inside the Air Live. Yeah, speaking of cats, I took my female to get fixed in one of those spay and neuter trucks, and I had a dog yeah. carrier, and it has a plastic tray on the bottom. And the girl, I guess, to go up the steps after I left, she had picked it up pretty, you know, cocked, like cocked it to get in the door, and the tray slid down, and the cat got out. And it ran into the woods, and I just got her last night. <laughs> wow. That's not a – that, that's a bit of a task. Yeah, there you go, chasing your cat through the woods. So, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of doing the exact same thing. Like women, you know. Cats are like women. They want attention, but if you give them too much attention, they, they kind of shy away. And so she kept running back into the woods, so I just sat down with – and pretended not to look at her and played some cat meowing sounds from YouTube. And, and she eventually came back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, that's probably true. I remember yeah. my cat would do the same thing. She'd like run. It's like, I ain't chasing you, man. You just stay out here for a while. Screw you. I just leave her outside and come back about an hour later. And she runs into the house. Like, why'd you leave me out here? But anyways, yeah. what you, what you got? Yeah. They're like that. Did, did you watch any of the Tucker I watched, I watched, you know, I think I watched all but the last seven minutes or so. I, I think I just fell asleep. You know, I was watching it. But yes, I did watch the vast majority of it. And I think uh, I only missed like maybe the last seven minutes in all truthfulness. But yes, I did get to watch it. Yes, it did something, uh, you know, Putin's pretty much an intellectual, very educated. He still has all his wits about him. Trump still has his wits too, but he still he, he doesn't have these these deep reflections or historical knowledge. You know, he's a uh, an American in every sense of the word. And uh, I just found it interesting. You know, you had to have a long attention span to really stick with it. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, after his 15 minute lecture on the creation of Ukraine, <laughs> I'm sure it lost. Yeah, it was like he was it was to make his point. Yeah, it was 22 minutes of Russian history, which was actually interesting, uh, you know, uh, something I didn't know about. But nonetheless, it was interesting, and, and uh, I did follow it through. But even I'm like Tucker, you know, after about 15, 20, 17 minutes of this, I'm like, okay, um, 
I, we get it. We get it. But uh, why is this relevant? Then he got into, two, you know, 1917, and he got into, of course, the Soviet Union and Stalin and the various uh, history of what happened in time. And, and for me, I found this is where I find the Slavic narrative, what I call the Slavic narrative, to really be either self-delusional or willfully dishonest. And I, I think probably in fairness it's self-delusional relative to my view of it. And as I think they're not looking at history honestly or ethically. Uh, but uh, again, it's their history, it's their experience, and, and they're probably going to think that we're not looking at it the same way. But th- my view is that uh, he, he just defaulted into the Slavic narrative, and that's part of the problem. We're in the Slavic narrative. And the Slavic narrative is the same as the narrative that supports the, the Holocaust lie. Uh, we're basically dealing with two histories that are formulated or grounded on a giant lie. And consequently, many of the policies that come out of these, these uh, delusional foundations do not add to a really uh, proper or, let's just say, a uh, meaningful resolution to the problems we face today. I'll get into that later. They're not based on on the full facts of of history. They're they're kind of woven together narratives by the usual suspects in order to uh, point to Goyim in the direction they want to go. Want them to go? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Just like BLM. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm not impressed by the Slavic narrative at all. I think the Slavic narrative is one of the most unethical and dishonest narratives that there are. Now, I understand people. If you lived in Russia, you want to be patriotic, yada 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 yada. But Russia, the Soviet Union, was the Ukraine of our today. And so, you know, you cannot sit there and tell me that Russia was really a good entity in, two, in 1992, 1941, 42, 43. What they were doing to their own people is no different than what, you know, the Soviet Jews were doing to Russians back in the same day, persecuting certain minorities. Uh, it's just that the Russians of, let's just say the Soviets, the Bolsheviks, had more power going back yeah, in 2000. The, the Trotskyists had the power prior to and during World War II. And, and these people, they were the, uh, the commissars at the front lines that had machine guns pointed at the backs of the, uh, the, the Russian conscripts. You know, it, and th- th- this, this group, this clique, that kind of purged out of the uh, Soviet government in the post-World War II era. And so they're, they, they jumped over like fleas, just like out of Germany in the 30s to the United States, and each formed up the neocons. The Newlands, the Kagans, the Wolfowitz, you know, the Bill Crystals of, uh, you look into their past, they all, almost all of them come from Russia. And they, their parents immigrated in the 50s. The Red yes, and these, I think they're called. Yeah, and they're the same Russians, the progeny that were behind the atrocities of Russia during 1940s, 1930s, 1940s. And the Russians of today, the Slavic narrative, completely ignores that. Oh, they'll admit it happened. Oh, yeah, there were some uh, human rights violations. Oh, screw you, dude. You know what? Screw you. I mean, the atrocities that were being committed were unheard of. I mean, this was some of the most monstrous atrocities ever committed in humanity. And you're like, well, there were some human rights violations. That's kind of how he put it, you know? They violated and they deserved it. But, dude, you're talking about one of the most murderous regimes in history. And it was all brought to you by a bunch of Jews, and you don't want to admit the fact. You'll say it, but only to your own audience. 
intellectual in colleges and, and on TV that, that push this narrative. And these are the people, the descendants of Trotskyists, the, uh, the the Bolsheviks of that time. He left left the Soviet Union in the 50s to take a residence and become the power of the United States. And basically they are this, the, uh, the main political uh, power of the government today. More so with the Democrats and the Republicans, but you know they jump around between both of those two. Just just look at uh, Mel Crystal, for instance, Democrat, then he's a Republican, then he's a Democrat. But in essence, he's he's a Bolshevik Jew at heart, <laughs> and that's just why he's true today. I mean, it's, it's inescapable, in my opinion. But go ahead. Yeah, and to me, this constant Nazi, 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 Nazi bullshit, dude. I mean, it's so simplistic. The whole narrative is so simplistic. You talk about the Banderites, you know, the band, you know, the ones that the Ukrainians admire. What they're not saying is that these aren't, these are Galicians. Okay. They're from Galicia. They're a bunch of really Greek Catholics. They're not part of the, the, the rest of Ukrainian society, which is Russian Orthodox. You're talking about a very small sect that is absolutely maniacal. This, these Greek, Greek Catholic Galicians, or Greek Orthodox, I believe they're Catholics, actually. Um, and they're not in the same group, and they're conspiring with a lot of the Jews within the within the country. So you have this hyper-minority of Galicians and Jews destroying Ukraine, and that that's not being brought up. I mean, just just state it open, dude. Just tell us what's going on. Don't try to say, oh, well, give us a break. What you're saying is nothing. You know, for me, he's saying nothing. When he was interviewed, you you said Thank nothing, you. dude. You just well, kind of yeah, like he avoided the topic. Did you did you see he he saw he, he was visited by uh, by by Jewish rabbis the day before the interview. Wonder if they told him what to say, what not to say. Well, I doubt that, but nonetheless, I I did not see that. Yeah, it's in the chapter. So one thing before I go about this this uh, interview, there, I thought he he kind of toyed with Tucker a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Mentioning his, his attempt to join the CIA, I was wondering if he's trying to fish him out when he says, who, when, when Tucker asked him, who destroyed the Nord Stream? He says, you did. You did. He was kind of implying that you're CIA. You're kind of like putting him on the spot there. You know? I did that, notice he said I that. I, he did say that a few times, actually. You did. You did. You, you, you. <laughs> you know, and uh, so he was clearly saying, dude, you are kind of part of the establishment. Uh, you know, he's not saying the Americans, he's saying you, and in a way, he's saying, Tucker, you're part of the establishment. Don't try to kid yourself. <laughs> All righty, I got work to do, but I'm going to listen, and I got to leave oh. the chat so I can stay busy here. All right. Taking my call. Bruce, all right. Oh, Thanks and, so much. And, uh, I sure remember your talk with, with John Kaminsky on that New Year's Eve show. That was memorable. What year was it? So I can, maybe I can look it up and say that. You know, I would have to go back and look because, you know, I know on that show, he kind of had a falling out. This was part of John's problem. He would have a falling out over things, you know what I mean? And then he would like kind of like be a little bit angry and wouldn't come around for a while. And I remember that show as somewhat of a one of those shows. He just wasn't all that happy and he disappeared for a while. But uh that was one of his faults, but it's okay. It's, people have their faults. We're okay with that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe 2019, 17, something like that. It goes way back, dude. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I was still in Jordan at the time. Right during, so maybe it was 2019. 
Yeah, maybe like 2019, 2018, something like that. I, I, I don't know. I was still doing a lot of shows. I think we stopped during the COVID period. All righty. Thank you, Fitch. All right. That's Bruce, everybody in Texas. And if you'd like to get onto the air again, it's going to be at 323-275-1314. That's 1323-275-1314. If you'd like. Also, you can come into the back end of the studio. It is speakfreeradio.com. That's speakfreeradio.com forward slash ITEL. And if you come in, um, just to watch, you just disable your microphone because then I know you can't come on. Uh, otherwise, you can come in. You can see me streaming uh, from here because I'm actually streaming the video live in the back end. That's speakfreeradio.com forward slash ITEL. And also, I'm recording this in case I want to start releasing videos. We will have everything. All right. Regarding the Tucker interview, uh, I did watch it. It was obviously well anticipated. Uh, something like when I first saw it, it was 169 plus. I don't know where it's at right now. I guess we could go look on X, but at least it's well over 170 million views so far on X. And of course, it's being viewed tens, dozens and hundreds of thousands of views on other people that are mirroring this thing. So you're talking about something that literally is probably one of the most watched events again in the world uh, for the for the uh, uh, the newbie out there. And there's quite a lot of them, obviously. People really don't know what's going on in the world geopolitically. Uh, maybe it was well use worth, maybe it was well worthwhile. These talks from the EU of sanctioning Tucker Carlson and propaganda and all this nonsense. Frankly, I don't even, I honestly don't even get what they're coming from. They're just blowing smoke to blow smoke. It, it honestly doesn't make sense to me. Uh, it's like, what the hell are you guys even talking about? You know, this is, Okay, I'm being told it's now 178 million. So yeah, 178 million. That's essentially roughly half of the population of the United States. And it's certainly more than half of the voting population. No, not quite. It's, uh, it's more than half of the voting population of the United States. That's for sure. It's close to probably six to seven tenths, 70% of the voting population of the United States. And it's probably more than the registered voting population of the United States. So this is a major, major piece. And for me, there weren't, I, I mean, I want to go back through it again, not so much for the content. I didn't find the content, honestly, all that compelling. Probably because most of that, we already know about it. It's nothing that he said we don't know. I mean, literally, there is nothing, well, virtually nothing, that was said that we don't already know as far as the narrative, etc. The 22-some-odd-minute history of Russia, okay, some of that was interesting. I didn't know all of it. So, okay, some of that was actually interesting. Um, I thought Putin could have done a better job. But then again, you know, he has to pick and choose what's important for him to tell. And whether or not I agree with it, I'm sure he, he doesn't care. But uh, for me, I thought he could have done a better job. But again, you're then getting into the documentary phase. And this was not a documentary, so I'm not going to fault him either, because obviously to do what he did is not easy. Uh, he's working without notes. He's working off the top of his head. He's clearly prepared for this uh, this segment. He, he intended to start with this segment, so he was very prepared. Um, 
certainly no faults. I can't fault it. That'd be silly. Uh, he still did a great job, you know, try to try, trying to show the history and how far back Kiev and, and Ukraine goes and the little, some of the intrigues with the Austrian, the Austrians, uh, back in the early 1900s. Um, scheming about trying to split Ukraine into the own, its own Ukrainian school. And of course, my attitude is, look, this was really movements on the Galicians, you know, Galicia, this part of Ukraine. It's not all of Ukraine. It's mainly within a certain portion of Ukraine. That wasn't really brought up. Could have been brought up, was not brought up. The, not once was the word Jew mentioned. And the history of the Soviet Union, Ukraine, and the West is not complete without some reference to Jewish influence, Jewish power. Not once was the word Jew used. I never heard it. If it was, I didn't hear it. it just kind of like went through me. And I think that's a little bit dishonest, unethical. It just shows you the degree to which people avoid certain words. And in this case, it was avoided, in my opinion. You cannot, you cannot talk about the history of the Soviet Union the history of Ukraine without mentioning the dichotomy between Russian Orthodox faith and the faith of Jews and those who have always sought to supplant Russian Orthodoxy, like in the, 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 the revolution. He talked about the revolution. Of course, we know here it's a Bolshevik Jewish revolution, but that, that was not brought out to the main audience. So there's still, if they watch that interview, they're still under some form of delusion. They don't understand that this was a Jewish revolution unless they actually know it was a Jewish revolution. There's no way to know. There's no way to know Jewish influence through that interview. None whatsoever. It was rather interesting when he went into the piece about uh, telling Tucker, we know you applied to become part of the CIA and thank goodness uh, they rejected you. And Tucker's kind of like, kind of like, well, can't say too much about that. So obviously Putin had his saying, and, and he went straight in saying, look, I am part of the establishment, the intelligence establishment. Right after he said that to Tucker, he said, look, I am from this world. You're not, but I am. And, and it's, we know. Then another interesting piece is he mentioned how the CIA is a very serious organization. This came very shortly after the uh, piece about uh, the comment about Tucker uh, not being allowed to join. And he went straight in and said, look, the CIA, they're a serious organization. You know, they were our opponent. They do their job. A job is a job, as he called it. And people do what they do just to do what they do because it's a job. But uh, he's, he mentioned that the takeover of Ukraine was done by the CIA. And we would, with all due respect, say, no, no, really, it's not. This was State Department. By and large, yes, CIA may have been involved, but this is State Department run. Everything about this was the U.S. State Department, uh, the U.S. Diplomatic Corps, in line in alignment with uh, USAID, which is operating outside of the CIA equally. Uh, maybe CIA had some support element, but this is largely, for those of us who really understand it, relative to our own American institutional structures, was U.S. State Department. That's who brought this down. Newland is not CIA. She's State Department. Kagan and all these other people are State Department. They're not CIA. So I thought that was a little bit dishonest. Uh, his complete whitewashing of the history of World War II, again, is part of what we call the Slavic narrative. And when we mean the Slavic narrative, what we're really saying is a a 
a fictional reality where the Soviet Union were part of the good guys and uh, there was uh, fighting the Nazis is just, you know, what they don't get into, you, you know, he got a little bit into the Germans asking for the Gdansk um, corridor back from Danzig, the Danzig corridor asking for this back. They don't get into really the treason that Jews brought to the Germans. And, and the Germans have been under this Jewish yoke for literally so long. It, it was true in World War One. It was certainly true after World War II, because obviously the Germans lost that war straight up. They did not lose World War I. They were sold out by Germany's Jews, largely in World War I. They lost massive amounts of territory after World War I. They lost the city of Danzig. If you go to Danzig or Gdansk today, you'll see it's largely a German city in flavor, in tone, in architecture, etc. It's largely a German city. But uh, now it's controlled by the Poles. And the Germans back in the 1930s wanted this city back. They wanted a corridor back. They do not get into the... Uh, Often reports of atrocities by the Poles and the and Soviet Jewish partisans that were murdering Germans behind enemy lines, behind Polish lines, before and running up into World War II. You had many, many, many. I think starting around April of 1939, you had many complaints by the German authorities uh, to the League of Nations about these atrocities. That's not brought up. Uh, in other words, the Polish, the situation in World War II, we could kind of equate that Poland was to Russia as Ukraine is, let's say Poland was to Germany as Ukraine is to Russia. You had a, a government in power that was persecuting people that were traditionally Germans. There was a large, large number of Germans behind the scenes. Some reports, and you'll see a lot of trolls denying it. It may not be true, but I don't trust the trolls either, that you had over oh, 60,000 Germans were murdered. Well, hell, you didn't have that many in, in Donbass, Donbass being murdered. So my attitude really is, when you look at it all through, the Russians are following the Slavic narrative. Now, are they fighting, quote-unquote, Nazism today? They are fighting, really, Talmudic supremacism today, not Nazism. German Nazism wasn't about this superior type of mentality. You had literally dozens upon dozens of different races working inside of the Wehrmacht and inside of uh, the SS in World War II. The German model was more to celebrate everybody's diversity, which is frankly more in line with Russia today, or at least Russian statements today. So, in my opinion, what the Russians are really fighting today is Talmudic or Jewish supremacy. This type of supremacy that exists within the Jewish mindset, within the core of Jewish culture, is appealing to the Banderites or the Galician or the, the Greek Orthodox, I believe Catholics, that are part of Galicia in Ukraine. This is never brought up. It's always just Nazi, 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 the denazification. Why don't we really start calling this the truth, the detalmudization? the de-Judification of the country to destroy once and for all Jewish Talmudic 
racial supremacist ideas. You can find no difference between the Israeli form of racism and the current Ukrainian form of racism. And it's no secret that, oh, gee, Mr. Putin, why in the frick are all of these Azov battalion leaders making their homage back to Israel? Since when is this supposed to be a Nazi type of thing to be doing? Oh, let's all run to Israel and, and bow before and start screwing this stupid wall because, hey, Shekin has got to be pleased here. She likes to be pleasured by all of these, uh, the Goyim that come over and start screwing the wall. I mean, at the end of the day, it all doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, through it all, though, through it all, even though I disagree with the narrative, I think the intentions are okay. I think the intentions are good because I understand the historical complexities, or at least I believe I do. I do see Russia today as National Socialist Germany of yesteryear. They're almost the same situation. They're in the same ideal. The only difference is, is that National Socialist Germany was confronted not only by Western Jewish interests, but also by Eastern or Russian Jewish interests or Soviet Jewish interests. You know, it's very fascinating, the flakiness of the British here. And I'm not talking about the British people. I'm talking about British politicians. They declared war on on Germany after Germany invaded Poland. But where was the declaration of war against the Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union also invaded Poland. There was only a one-sided declaration of war here. And what you find here is that many, many, many of the problems that we face today are brought about by the machinations of the lunatics that run British policy. See, the British politicians, mainly a Churchill, they were so freaking stupid back in the day, and they're just as stupid today, that they literally gave away their empire. The British gave away their entire empire, the British Empire, to defeat Germany, which was never even their enemy. It was So the British didn't win. It's like, again, it's the politicians. The politicians need to be drug out of their cellars, called to account, and many of them hung for treason. It's amazing to me, frankly, the arrogance and stupidity of Western politicians. They're clearly stupid. They're clearly moronic. Yet they will do everything to destroy their countries to beat an enemy that's not even an enemy of theirs. Complete lunacy. Fetch. Practice more right after this. Introducing Freedom Enough. 
Freedom Enough is a new talk show where we are exposing judicial postmodernism from the Supreme Court right down to family court and talking about all the different ways the extortion racket known as the justice system screws you over. Sure, you love freedom, but do you love freedom enough? Join me, Alexander Baker, your legal expert, right here on Speak Free Radio, Sundays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Freedom enough. First off, we ought to look at the word nation, because the word nation is oftentimes used as a synonym for country. That's not what the word means. Uh, There are people who take uh, an oath or pledge of allegiance. One nation under God. Not one country under God, one nation. I'll turn to Black's Law Dictionary, 6th edition. It's the centennial edition of Black's, first published in 1891. This is a 1991 edition. The word nation. They rely upon Montoya versus United States, found at 180 U.S. 261, 21 Supreme Court Reporter at 358, or 45 Lawyers Edition, page 521. Quote, with regards to defining the word nation, a people or aggregation of men existing in the form of an organized general society, usually inhabiting a distinct portion of the earth, speaking the same language, well, I guess we've kind of lost out on that one, haven't we? Using the same customs, I think we failed there as well, possessing historic continuity and distinguished from other like groups by their racial origin. Well, if you're white, you can't use that word. And characteristics. And generally, but not necessarily, living under the same government and sovereignty. You are listening to Speak Free Radio. The free speech internet radio platform. Got to increase those uh, breaks to like about another 30 seconds. That's, that's very fast. It's very quick. Anyways, welcome back. It's Fetch Inside the Air Live. Again, intelligent media for the politically aware. It's available through speakfreeradio.com. That's speakfreeradio.com every Saturday from 11 to 2, um, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern, USA. 
Also through the website InsideTheIlive.com. We've got the player out there on the right-hand side. I kind of changed the player so you can at least see the button there. So you can get through it from there. Of course, you can join us in the chat room, InsideTheIlive.com. Click on the live chat button, uh, radio is available. I mean, you, you can call through speakfreeradio.com forward slash ITEL and 323-275-1314. That's 1323-275-1314. So where are we today geopolitically? Let's start with, uh, I think, Russia, not Russia, uh, Ukraine, Russia. You probably heard the news, but there's a, the head of the Ukrainian military, Zaluzhny, has been replaced. Uh, the, the the guy that's taking over is the guy named Sersky. Sersky is considered to be somewhat of a scumbag, apparently, by his own son. That's been reported by some channels out of Australia, who uh, the son actually lives in Australia. Sersky is actually a, a Russian guy. He's not actually Ukrainian. He's Russian. His family lives in Russia. His mother and father are actually Russian and live in Russia, uh, who are considered to be Russian patriots. Sersky is, uh, of course, working now with the Ukrainians. So uh, he was the butcher of uh, Bakhmut. Bakhmut, of course, as you know, I think the Ukrainians lost, who knows, 40, 50, 60,000 people in Bakhmut. He's now taking over what is... Um, Clearly a very disastrous situation. The Ukrainians are stating that they have perhaps, perhaps about two more months worth of uh, munitions left. And uh, they have some much, some money coming in, but it's going to be not enough really to run the country, and certainly not the war efforts. So you have a situation where Sersky has come into really a decaying situation on the ground for the Ukrainians. I know in the interview, uh, Putin basically said, look, to stop this now, all you need to do is just stop supplying weapons. This thing will be over in about three more weeks. And also, going back to the interview real quick, you know, they asked a lot about, you know, Russia attacking Poland, Russia attacking Latvia, yada, yada, yada. And Putin is just saying, look, this is nonsense. Look, be pragmatic. First of all, always be pragmatic. Look at how much problems Russia has with Ukraine today. Look how much resources Russia has to commit just to get the gains it has in Ukraine today. Look how many of the air, air cover it has, whatever. It's artillery shells, whatever. For it to actually try to go into Ukraine, not to into Ukraine, into Poland or the Baltic states or whatever, yeah, it could be done. It could be. But can you imagine the amount of resources the Russians would have to do, have to commit to make this actually be pulled off? It makes no sense. Pragmatically, it makes no sense. So the politicians and the media spreading this crap, and to me it's crap. It's just, they're, they're just, they're just yellow journalism. They're trying to create a war where one doesn't need to exist. And in some respects, I consider these journalists to be war criminals themselves on a personal level. Because think about it. Look how much, look how many problems Russia has today just trying to take back Ukraine. And people are saying, well, they could do it overnight if they want. No, they couldn't. No, I mean, yes, there's this war of attrition, yada, 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 yada. But if that's the case, well, then they first have to make the war of attrition effective first before they take over Ukraine. So no, they can't just do it overnight, no matter how much you keep trying to think they could. 
Now, Sersky comes into a situation where last week, just last week, this is a report from the Russian Ministry of Defense. The Russian, Russia shot down one MiG-29 and one Su-25. They shot down 34, and it's only 34, by the way. It's probably not a lot launched. 34 multiple rocket launch projectiles, including HIMARS projectiles and vampire missiles, as well as, get this, 488 drones. Near Kupians, which is one of the lines of contact, there were 36 attacks by Ukrainian forces. These were all repelled. Total losses were reported at 725 military personnel. You need to start adding this stuff up. During the week, there were 31 combined strikes with high-precision weapons, and UAVs were carried out against Ukrainian military facilities. They hit production facilities of Ukrainian enterprises, engaged largely in the production and repair of aircraft, UAVs, and the unmanned boats. So most of the efforts last week were focused on the autonomous uh, products of the Ukraine military. Now, another point of contact is called Krasny Liman. Russian pro- troops improved their positions, they say here, repelled 1,400, no, 1,400, 14 attacks, and the enemy, meaning the Ukrainians, lost 1,500 military personnel killed and wounded. So, you have on one point of contact, 725. You have on another point of contact, 1,500 people that were lost, 1,500 Ukrainians. During the week, there were also strikes against nationalist formations, which they consider to be the Nazis, uh, which I consider to be essentially the Jewish supremacist Talmudists uh, in drag. And then there were also some foreign mercenary units hit. Russians are saying largely they're, they don't know the numbers, but the objectives that they set out were achieved. Okay, fine. Now, there's another point of contact. It's in the southern DPR, the Donetsk People's Republic. Five Ukrainian attacks were repelled, and according to Russian sources, and take it for what it's worth, there were 1,160 military personnel lost there. So now you have 1,500 at one point, 725 at another, that's uh, 1,275. And then we're going to add another 1,160, that's 3,075, huh? 3,500, 3,575, uh, 675, 735, 3,735 so far. In another area along the DPR, there were additional 26 Ukrainian attacks. Losses there amounted to 2,100. And 90 soldiers. So we're at 3735, something like that. 47, 57, 35, 57, 58, 35, 59, 25 so far last week. In addition to that, 59, 25, everybody, soldiers lost in one week. And only 36 were reported to have surrendered. So that is what this new General Sersky or Colonel Sersky or whatever he is. Is coming into as he starts to take over the reins of the armed forces of Ukraine. There is an area called Artemovsk, 
and it is essentially almost now in a total cauldron, meaning that the troops inside are surrounded. Numbers are estimated anywhere between 4,000 to 10,000 people, soldiers, depending on the sources you want to follow. And if it's up to 10,000, it would be an absolute, I mean, 4,000 is bad enough, but obviously, if it proves to be upwards of 10,000, that's going to be an absolute catastrophe for the Ukrainians who don't really have a lot of soldiers left anyways. So all in all, the war for Ukraine is going absolutely disastrous. And it will continue, and it makes sense. I mean, obviously, Russia is in a, not a full war footing. In other words, it's not a war economy. However, the economy has a very strong weighted effort towards defense munitions, etc. So they're producing at rates that the West cannot even hope to accomplish. You know, I was talking while I was there. I was talking to some uh, government officials from this, from um, from Saudi Arabia, and I'm saying, "Look, you know, you have this organization here. I won't get into organizations. Then you have these four, five, six, seven companies." I said, "Then you have GAMI, General Authority for Military Industries." I said, "You know, and I'm saying not that it's a bad idea, but it looks like Saudi Arabia is trying to do a blend." of what the Russians are doing through a centralized, organized procurement system and U.S. systems where the free market is able to provide innovation and bring ideas to you. I said, but doesn't that pose a risk to the private sector since you already have all of your state-owned infrastructure in place? And they kind of looked at me and like, yeah, it's smart question, dude. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a smart question. So uh, just a, just an aside there. So overall, guys, what's happening now in Ukraine is obviously the defenses of Ukraine are starting to shatter. You look at what's going on in Kiev, and it's just a nightmare. Again, Shaluzhny's finally out. Uh, Zersky is in. Zersky is known to be somewhat of a uh, a flake, a complete loser, a psychopath. So you could look for more Ukrainian deaths out of all of this. And time's going to tell, and it's not going to be very much time because we'll find out within the next two, three, four weeks. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with The Rock. I'm not a big, I used to like The Rock. I used to like a lot of Hollywood movies per se with some of these high action movies, right? But The Rock, also known as his real name is Dwayne Johnson, he was uh, actually in Vegas. And he was uh, basically trying to deny a lot of what happened in Maui. If you remember, Maui's been out of the news, but Maui looked like a controlled uh, destruction of Lahaina, literally a, a controlled demolition of Lahaina using fires, directed energy weapons, etc. And I believe uh, The Rock was one of these guys that was uh, trying to deny a lot of what people would say uh, in some circles would fall into this conspiracy world. So you got The Rock up there on stage. And if you could imagine being a being a uh, entertainer in Las Vegas, and this is what you're getting.
You can hear them actually saying Maui, Maui, Maui. And, and, and in some respects, this is what has to happen to these complete psychopathic flakes. They need to be really returned into irrelevance. I mean, he's up there on stage posing and trying to act like he's some tough dude, and the people are just not having it. It's like, dude, get the fuck out of our face. Yeah, and he wasn't very well received at all. And that's really what has to happen all across the spectrum. For instance, and I'm not just talking about the entertainers. If you go into Europe now, Spain, Germany, Portugal, uh, Poland, uh, Netherlands, I think I named Germany, Hungary, you have, I think, Italy also. By the way, Italy also has now joined this, what is essentially a now continent-wide strike by the farmers. There was a truck. Oh, actually, that's before I get into that. Okay, so essentially the farmers across the European Union have risen up en masse to protest what is this psychopathic, flakish, idiotic stupidity of the administrative class. Nobody voted for these climate change clowns. Nobody voted for them. Nobody voted for their policies. Nobody asked them to get involved in, in micromanaging everything, creating this communist, this wonderful Jewish communist utopian society called the European Union. And that's what the European Union is. The European Union, everybody, is just communism. It's a command and control economy. It's communism. Straight up. Nobody votes for anything. You have your Politburos. You have your your little your little cliques everywhere making up rules as they go along. Who cares about the people? The people be damned, etc., etc. So we have all these protests going on. Some of it is affecting Ukraine because Ukraine wants to be able to um, basically flood Europe with their with their cheaper cheaper uh, grain, etc., agricultural products. The Europeans want nothing of it, especially after they're getting hammered by their by their all by their communist. Uh, Apparatchiks in the administrative state, uh, with all these rules, regulations that drive the costs up, make it almost impossible to actually operate. So there's lots of protests. So the Ukrainian prime, uh, ambassador in France, he decided to speak out against all the protests. He called for the protests to end. Well, why? Because he needs to ship his cheap goods from Ukraine into the European Union because, let's be honest, Ukraine Ukraine needs money in order to operate because they don't have any money anymore. They don't have anything. Their entire economy is pretty much wiped out. Well, they, they, the farmers didn't take too kindly to that, so they went into Paris and they literally sprayed manure all over the residents of the Ukraine, Ukrainian, uh, I think the embassy or the Ukrainian uh, residents of where the Ukrainian ambassador lives. And things like this have to happen everywhere. For instance, every single administrative state uh, operative should not just be booed out, but it should be made known to them that they are no longer welcome, even in society. And if they have or feel that it's dangerous for them, well, that's okay. At this stage, it's okay because you're in a war. Listen, there's one farmer... He was on the border of Ukraine, and he had a coffin. And he said, so very simply, you will feel hunger if the, if the farmers die. Because you're not going to eat 
So we should look at the policies of the European Union as attempted genocide. It's just one form of a constant effort to genocide out Western Europeans. I was out to dinner this week, and I had a colleague from Europe, and I was sitting with my other colleague who's from uh, Saudi Arabia. And we were talking over dinner about what's going on in Europe. And my, my colleague from Europe, he's a little bit shy to speak the truth. You know, he's kind of like shell-shocked maybe, or he's just afraid or whatever, just from programming. And you know yours truly is not so. And so I said, listen, I said, hey, hey, you know, I'll just call him A, my Saudi colleague. I say, hey, look, you know what's really going on here is genocide. I said straight up over dinner. I said the European Union, the politicians in in the European Union are trying to genocide everybody. They're bringing in all, it's telling the story straight up over dinner. These are very influential people. I'm saying, look, they're bringing in all of this riffraff from South, from, from Sub-Saharan Africa. I said, do you really think that that 70, 80 plus IQ, if he's lucky guy from Ghana or I don't even want to say the country, just say Sub-Saharan Africa. Do you really think he can do anything to help the Italian people? Of course not. In fact, he's only there to be disruptive. He's getting more benefits, and it's happening in America too, than the Italians themselves. Then you create the situation where the farmers can't farm anymore. Who's going to feed everybody? You're talking about an attempted genocide by a class of people that are completely clueless as to really what's going on, especially forward-looking. Now, maybe they may know, maybe. But I wouldn't put it past that. A lot of these people are really just crackhead stupid. You know, Putin said the same thing. He said, look, you know, by changing the regime in 2014, hey, congratulations, they were successful. That was, uh, they did a good job. They did what they were supposed to do. But their failure, their failure was they were not able to foresee what would happen after they changed the government, which means that they were stupid. And that's the case usually of our administrative state. They see their agenda, they see their marching order, they say, okay, let's get from this point to this point. But they're too crackhead stupid. Don't give them too much. Some of them, yes. But I'm talking about at the mid-layer administrative state, the vast majority of them are doing the, the actual lifting. They're idiots. So they should not be tolerated. Don't allow idiots to come in and destroy your way of life. Don't allow the idiot to determine your future. Now, there are some pretty smart people above the idiots who do understand the agenda, and they're not at all averse to using a class of idiots to accomplish their goal. Well, it's up to you and the farmers and the and the machinists and everybody else to start to protect your, to your own society. And what you have to do is take out the foot soldiers of those at the top. Unless, of course, you can reach the top directly, in which case, go ahead. Makes, makes, uh, it makes a lot of sense. So go do it. You know, it's funny. Boris Johnson was called out specifically in this uh, interview with Tucker Carlson. Now, you know, when you really think about a Boris Johnson, you can say he's a politician, he's effective, and oh, he's been around a long time. But 
if you really think of it, first, here's his comments about the uh, interview. Around the world, people are watching that ludicrous interview with Vladimir Putin conducted by Tucker Carlson. And we must not fall for this tissue of lies above all for the notion that Putin is somehow fated to succeed in Ukraine. On the contrary, he is doomed to fail. Read about it in the Daily Mail. Read about in the Daily Mail. How embarrassing is that, right? If I were the Daily Mail, I'd be embarrassed. Seriously, I'd be freaking embarrassed. I'd I'd be like hiding under my desk. But when you look at a Boris Johnson, folks, you look at this guy. He's a clown. He is a complete loser in the world of productive people. He has zero value to give to people. He has zero value to give to humanity. So where do these charlatans, where do these con men end up going into? They go into politics. Boris Johnson is nothing but a con man. He has nothing, nothing of substance to offer humanity. Nothing. He's like dirt. He's just a con man. Given some pedestal on which somehow he's supposed to be superior to everybody to talk down to us. But he's he's just a piece of garbage con man. And nothing more than that. Really, I'm serious. You look at him, the guy is a absolute disgusting con man. He sold the Ukrainians a bag of shit. That has resulted in probably half a million Ukrainians dying. This piece of garbage con man walks in there, convinces Ukrainian officials or threatens them behind the scenes, whatever the case may be, to carry on the war, to not enter into a peace conflict. And now Ukraine, as a Ukrainian nation, is going to be forfeited on the historical stage. Because of one man, this disgusting piece of garbage con man known to the world as Boris Johnson. And folks, that's all he is. He's nothing more than a con man. Understand the vast majority of politicians at the senior level, they're just con men and women. They have nothing. They just follow their script. They try to play together. They chuckle along with each other to try to get their agendas through. But they're just conning you. They're trying to con me. They're conning the world. And they don't care because they're flying around in their private jets. They got their state-sanctioned functions. They get they get escorted by police, by by who knows what, uh, close security support. They feel important, but they're just con men. They're just con men. Con men, con women. And, you know, you have Stoltz out there, another piece of garbage guy. Talking about how, you know, Putin is just in it for imperialism. Oh, give us a break, dude. You'd have to be an idiot to even say that. Because all of us do know the history of what's going on there. Hell, the vast majority of Russians east of the Dnieper River are Russians or Ukrainians. They want nothing to do with a bunch of Galician nationalist flakes coming out of the far western parts of Ukraine. Some tiny fanatical sect that isn't even part of the larger Ukrainian society because that's what's happening in Ukraine now. Ukraine is being run by a hyper minority backed by Jewish power. 
Do you think these two groups give one damn thing about uh, the health, well-being of the Ukrainian people? Of course not. The Ukraine as a nation has failed. It's gone. See, you can look at it now that Ukrainians, their birth rate has collapsed, their demographics have collapsed. They've gone from 45 million down to 20 million, and they're just collapsing. Every, everything about Ukrainian society is collapsing. But if you're Russian, you say, you know, it's very unfortunate that our brothers and sisters in Ukraine bought into the con men like Boris Johnson because they are suffering demonstrably from their inability to see through the con. But when you break it down, Russia is 150 million people. When it's said and done, what will remain of Ukraine will be reabsorbed into Russia. Yes, we will have lost another 20 million people at the hands of these Jews and these supremacists. But the Russian nation will continue to grow further. And that's where we're at today, folks. It's the patch inside the Allied back after this. It's a completely unexpected assortment of people. There is no thread that I can find that connects all of the people who've popped up in my life to be that lone, brave person in the crowd who says, no, thank you. You could not have known who these people are. They don't fit a common profile. Some are people like me. Some of them don't look like me at all. Some of them are people I despised on political grounds just a few years ago. But there's in one case someone who I made fun of on television who was really the embodiment of everything I found repulsive, who in the middle of COVID decided, no, I'm not going along with this. And once you say one true thing and stick with it, all kinds of other true things occur to you. The truth is contagious. And the second you decide to tell the truth about something, you are filled with this, I don't wanna get supernatural on you, but you are filled with this power from somewhere else. Try it. I disagree with you. We're to talk about these issues in the open regardless of the color of our skin. The more you tell the truth, the stronger you become. That's completely real. But you look around and you see these people and some of them really have paid a heavy price for telling the truth. They are cast out of their groups, whatever those groups are, but they do it anyway. My dear, I was in deep meditation for our Kundalini Tantric sharing when I sensed a disturbance in the farce. Yes, my darling Michael, I sense it too. Something is changing with my lost weekend with Giuseppe the G-Man. Uh-oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is? Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Listen, guess what today is? Hulk Day! That's right, Truthaholics. Your lost weekend with Giuseppe now begins on Hump Day. Hulk Day! 
The Sane Asylum Hump Day Hootenanny, Wednesday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. The Sane Asylum Thirsty for Truth, Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. The Perfect Triangle, TGIF Friday, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Your Messiac must rest on the Sabbath. Then, the fastest hour in talk radio, the worldwide simulcast of the Sunday Night Sane Asylum on republicbroadcasting.org and speakfreeradio.com. If you miss any live show, head over to the podcast section at speakfreeradio.com to guzzle you some truth. You're listening to Speak Free Radio, the free speech internet radio platform. Welcome back. It's the Fetch Inside the Eye Live, intelligent media for the politically aware. Again, you can join us uh, in the studio. If you want to go live, just put a note in the chat room, as I've done with A.H. there. I know why she says A.H. now, because her initials are like Adolf Hitler, always honest, you know, something like that. Maybe that's why she took A.H., maybe. Maybe it's code. For all we know, it's all code. Uh, anyways, uh People are saying, uh, and Copa Blanca, thank you for the comments there in the chat room. Something to the effect that uh, the EU is sanctioning Tucker Carlson. And they want to sanction uh, Tucker Carlson again for joining, uh, for from traveling into Europe. Uh, Tucker is also apparently, they're saying, I have not confirmed any of this, but on the same uh, kill list as Gonzalo Lira was, Scott Ritter, and Daria. Dugina, I'm not sure who that last person is, but I, from what I understand, I'm not on it, and I don't intend to get on it, but one never knows for sure. You never know with this business. It's a very difficult, dirty business sometimes. But nonetheless, Scott Ritter, I know, has been very active. I'm surprised if Scott Ritter is on it that uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor is not on it equally. They kind of are both kind of strong there. I haven't followed too much. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, Scott Ritter had a very fascinating uh, a tale he told, I, I forget who it was on, but he mentioned his trip to Russia. Um, fascinating story. It was actually well worth a watch. I mean, the guy, congrats to him. He, he did a very good job based on what he said in his story, and uh, <clears throat> congrats to him. I just want to say congrats because I understand exactly what he was doing. And congrats. Good job, dude. <laughs> all right. Where do we want to go next here? Uh, first of all, 323-275-1314. That's 
Uh, the EU has apparently responded to travel ban rumors as uh, after following the Putin interview. Again, they call it controversial. Why? Honestly, why? I honestly, I don't understand why. Because frankly, there's nothing to it. Uh, there was nothing really given in the interview that made that much a big deal. Um, not at least from my point of view. And uh, I didn't hear anything. Frankly, everything I know, everything was said was known. It's not like all of this is a secret. Um, we're going to go back, I guess, out to the phones. <clears throat> because apparently uh, Bruce has work to say. So, Bruce, hi, welcome to Inside the Air Life. Yeah, I just was interested in, you, right before the end of the break, the uh, the part about the Azovs and such. Uh, I'm posting two images there in the chat room. Let me know if you see them. Remember Weave from the Daily Stormer? Yeah, I do, actually, that flake. Yeah, what about him? Yes, yeah. This is when him and another guy, I won't get into it, but uh, these guys really touched my, uh, you know, my brain. They're like, who are these guys anyway? Because we was in prison for being a hacker of some kind. And he was released there right when the A-Stormers having these uh, DDoS attacks. And that's when... Uh, they had a, a forum that was open for discussion, and Weave comes in. He's released from prison, and then he becomes their uh, IT guy. And yeah, all of a sudden, that. all the powers disappear. And yep. and so it's like he looks like this Allen Ginsberg guy. You remember him? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. He looks so Jewish. Yeah, it's yeah. like if if there was ever a, a picture of a Jewish. Uh, I don't know, ghoul, not a ghoul. What do they call those guys? A troll? Literally a troll, you know, just, it would be him. I mean, he's like, literally, I mean, it literally, he looks like he's just some little Jewish troll geek moron guy. And uh, what could I say, you know, that dealt with him a lot. Yeah, well, and he was also pushing the Azov Battalion stuff, too, you know, images and, and threads, like, look at these base Nazis, we're bringing back the Third Reich, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah, and, and, and to me... And so you're that, promoting that. And, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, and to me, this isn't promoting National Socialism. You're promoting Talmudic supremacy. Because Germany was never about what, what was going on there. They, they, they're they not the same. But again, you had one of the leading guys in alternative media, which would be the Daily Stormer, with, again, this, this guy who was relatively famous within those circles, pushing Jewish Talmudism on everybody. Like, this is the type of supremacy we all need. And he disgusts me. Yeah, well, then he disappeared. Uh, after a while, after the whole thing collapsed and uh, the, the, the 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 chat room or the forum was closed down, and he gets where he appears. He goes to Ukraine. Yep. He moves to Ukraine, and, and in that image, you see he's got a uh, uh, a gay symbol behind him with a triangle, and he's got a swastika on his chest. You see, so we got to be aware of these guys. They're all over the damn place. Yeah, and, a lot uh, of them are, maybe I'm being a little bit conspiratorial, but I think it helps, really. No, I think it's very true that you should know who's trying to influence you. Uh, why shouldn't you? You know what I mean? Why shouldn't you be uh, interested in who's influencing you? Because uh, where do these people come from? Why is this guy such a star? You know, how did he become such a star? It's not like you get there by your own effort. Usually there's a lot of effort to push you up to where you are where you are. 
Because if you're in people like my shoes, every effort is done to limit my reach. Every effort you can imagine is being done to limit my reach. And the only reason I'm still relevant is because I reach a lot of good people that can still magnify the message. Otherwise, I would be irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, I remember your 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 conflict there with in the troll wars with uh, that dude that was an army and what was his name? There, escapes me at the moment. Mm, not sure, but uh, well, anyhow, that's that's the point I wanted to make. And uh, <laughs> look here, I'm not a big, you know, I don't have p- pictures of Putin on a bear there in my bedroom, what have you. I just understand what he's doing and, and the influences he's under by the Shabbat Lubavitch and stuff. And he has to kind of like walk the tightrope like all politicians do. But I do know that he he blocked the Israeli and U.S. NATO uh, agenda there in Syria. So if he was under control of Jews, why would he do that? You know, wh- wh- why would he shut down the ISIS? And ISIS was, come on, it, it was a, uh, a U.S.-Israeli front. The same yeah, as the Azov Battalion. Yeah, ISIS so, was there to know, help in create. In my mind, I can see who's 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 be legit and who's not as far as yeah. the conflict. Yeah, and ISIS was there to help create the greater Israel. Once you got rid of the state in Israel, you could easily, at least, even me, the, the, the Israelis are idiots equally. But in their mind, by taking out the, you know, the Syrian Arab army, they're going to be able to actually go in and expand further as if, there's enough Jews to even do the expanding. You know what I mean? You need people to have all this Lebensraum idea. And they don't even have enough people. Nobody nobody that's born into this world wants to be a Jew, basically. So they're always going to have a small number. Because who wants to be born into that culture? I mean, think about it. You're, you're waiting for a body to be born into it. And, and your spirit guy goes, hey, well, I got this uh, Jewish couple over here. They're still looking for a spirit. You want to go into this one? Fuck, hell no, man. I ain't going to that piece of crap. You know, that type of thing. I can even see that happening in the spirit world, where it's like everybody avoids being a Jew, you know? Yeah. All right. So thank you. All right, that's Bruce, everybody. Three two three two seven five one three one four. That's one three two three two seven five one three one four. All right, uh, chat room again. Uh, that's not the chat room. Uh, speakfree dot com forward slash itel. Speakfree dot com forward slash itel. If you'd like to join in, just say so in the chat room. Uh, let's see. EU is responding again. Uh, there's currently, it says here, there are no current European Union talks about imposing sanctions on Tucker Carlson. Uh, that was as of before the interview. And it says here, it's not up to us. This is a, uh, EU foreign policy chief Burrell, which is another one of these conmen. It's not up to us to preempt or speculate whether someone will be proposed by a member state or group of member states to be put on the sanctions list. Again, and mostly sanctions are being put forward by conmen. Literally, it's just being put forward by Kahneman. He continued to say, I can say beyond this that currently there are no discussions in the relevant EU bodies linked to this specific person. And European politician Goy Verhofstadt on Monday tweeted that the EU should explore a travel ban against Carlson if if he enables disinformation. And you know that whole term, disinformation, that is the most nauseatingly disgusting, stupid thing people can say 
What a gaslighting piece of jackasses these people are. You know, who the hell are you? Some piece of scumbag sitting in some government position somewhere, stealing really from the people, and you're going to determine to us and tell us what's disinformation. I mean, it just disgusts me. Literally, it literally disgusts me, these people. I can't tell you how much, but it's it's beyond belief. All right, so Tucker's gone. Um, there was another kind of important event that happened this week, and there's been lots of important events going on. But one of those is with the United States. The United States, and, and Putin raised this issue, and, and it's very critical to understand what Putin is saying. Because he's, he hit at one of the very core, the one of the very core contemporary issues of that interview. And it's something we have been discussing for years now. And that is the weaponization of the dollar. We call it the, the spoiled brat syndrome where, you know, you take your ball and you want to go home. Well, the, the, the money belongs to Jews. That's their attitude. This is our money. We print it. We charge you Goyim interest for it. And since we're going to charge you interest for it, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to us. And, and if we don't like the way you're playing the game right now, we're going to take our ball, which is our money. And because we're losing, we're going to go home. And of course, you can't do that to adults over time. You can't do that to sovereign people over time, and you sure as hell can't do that to nation states. I mean, think about it. You're going to tell a nation state like Russia, you can't trade anymore because we're Jews, and we're going to take our ball home, and, and you can't use our money anymore. And like, if I'm Russian, like, all right, going to take us a little bit of time to re-engineer this thing, but uh, we're not going to use their money anymore. <laughs> Screw it, because their only power comes through, the, through their use of money, meaning that as long as their money is relevant, they're relevant. The second their money becomes irrelevant, they are no longer relevant. So let's, okay, be patient. We're, we're a nation that, according to Putin, goes back to 862 A.D., and because of that, uh, we have a long history. We've survived a lot of pretty bad things over time. And uh, this idea that Jews are going to take their ball and go home doesn't work for us. So now, you know, Putin is like mentioning like only like 13% of Russian transactions now are being done in dollars. That it's being done in rubles. It's being done in yuan. Maybe there's going to be a BRICS currency. And like you're saying is that this is... I, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing, but Putin's saying this is the dumbest thing you guys have ever done. You're sanctioning everything, which means you're cutting yourself off of everything. You're not allowed to do anything because you're sanctioning yourself. I mean, you can't, if, if you were going to define, define what a moron and an idiot is, well, that's kind of what he's saying here. That those who are imposing sanctions are the very definition of what a moron and an idiot really is. He's really telling you straight up that all you're doing is harming yourselves. I mean, Russia, after all of these sanctions, which has to deal around money, right? And some technology is the fifth largest economy in the world at only 150 million people. It is soon to become number four in the world. And like they're saying, you know, go ahead, sanction yourselves, idiots. 
See if we care. We're moving in a different direction. You're irrelevant. You don't want us to use your ball. We're not going to use your ball. Suck on your ball. Choke on your ball. We don't care anymore. Go ahead. And that's the problem we have with U.S. administrative state here. State Department, Treasury Department, government officials. They're deciding for you whether you're going to have a future if you are relying upon the U.S. dollar. They're deciding for you. They're deciding that you are going to become irrelevant in the world today. Now, I don't know about you, but I kind of like the, the Chinese or the Vietnamese method here. If you create a level of incompetence or if you create a situation due to your incompetence or your scheming that harms the greater good of the people, there's two choices. A bullet or a bullet. Doesn't matter. In Vietnam, it's worse because they'll torture you. They'll, they'll put you through a lot of turmoil before you're actually killed. And that's where the banking class is today. That's where the CIA class is today. That's where the State Department class is today. That is where the department, that's where the FDA is today. That's where the CDC is today. That is where virtually every single piece of administrative state in the United States is today. And here's another thing. They often talk about overthrowing the United States rebellion. Listen, guys, you're all freaking corporations. I don't have, you're, you're a corporation. Literally, you're corp, a corporation. Do, I, do we have a relationship, corporate relationship with the FDA? Yet the FDA thinks they can come in and bind people and shut people down and create their own laws that nobody has a say in anything? Or the CDC can go out there and say they're going to mandate everybody get vaccinated with some deadly bioweapon that they helped create? Nah, you're not rebelling against the United States. You're saying simply you should be looking at this. No, I'm not rebelling against the United States government. I'm simply not going to go along with these corporations that I have no contract with. Show me the charter for the FDA, and I'll show you a corporation. Show me the same for the CDC. It's just a corporation. Back to what's happening here in the Middle East. Now imagine this. Just imagine. If Mexico viewed terrorists a.k.a. the uh, narcotics gangs as terrorists. And so they invaded parts of Southern California, invaded most of New Mexico, Arizona, parts of Arizona. They invaded Texas, parts of Texas. They occupied parts of New York. They occupied parts wherever these gangs are. They're occupying these territories. Mexico. Mexico. And there's a particular leader inside of the United States. And the Mexican government says, well, this guy's a terrorist. He's on a wanted list. Doesn't matter whether he's actually part of a local government inside the United States. So they just launch a drone strike in the middle of the city, like in the middle of San Antonio or something, and they just kill the guy. Middle of Austin. They just slid off a drone and they kill somebody inside the city. The Mexican government. 
is killing people extrajudicially, openly, on American soil. I mean, think about that again. Put yourself into an imaginary situation here where the narcotics gangs are considered terrorists, the Mexican government has invaded to wipe out the terrorists, and the Mexican government is carrying out extrajudicial murders on U.S. soil in the middle and the heart of U.S. cities. How is that going to go down with the American people? Would you be all for Mexico as an American citizen? Would you be all for the Mexican government conducting drone strikes in the middle of, say, Dallas? And all they do is just make a declaration. Wave their hand, they were terrorists. Wave their hand, they were terrorists. Wave their hand, they were terrorists, and they start committing all these extrajudicial murders inside of U.S. soil. Far-fetched? I don't think so. Because that's exactly what the United States does everywhere. And they did that again this week inside of Baghdad. They killed a leader, a leader of an Iran-backed militia this past Wednesday. And guess what? That leader is part of the extended government coalition inside of Iraq. So essentially, the U.S. is inside of Iraq killing the extended Iraqi government officials. That was Mexico doing that in the United States. The Iraqi military command said it was investigating the attack on a civilian car that killed the passengers inside. Video verified by an Iraqi Interior Ministry official showed an SUV engulfed in flames, but with the frame still intact. U.S. military officials have said there are no indications of collateral damage or civilian casualties at this time. Thank goodness for you, right? It's just normal to go ahead and just create extrajudicial murders in somebody else's capital. Yeah, you know, and, and this, by the way, is the Jewish influence in our military. You want to see why you don't want Jews in your military? It's because of stuff like this. Tell me. If you had this being done in U.S. territory, are Americans just going to sit still and say, ah, it's okay, Mexico, go ahead and bomb people anywhere you want in our cities? Would, you, would that happen? Probably not. Probably not. But that's how the U.S. operates, and the U.S. operates that way because they believe in the Zionist IDF form of extrajudicial murders. These are just assassinations without, without trial, nothing. Oh, I declare you a terrorist today, kill you. What type of freaking lunacy is this? What type of idiocy is this, poli- is this policy? Now you can say, oh, well, you're a high-value target. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I'm not for extrajudicially murdering everybody. We already know that's Jewish. And I'm not for Jewish politics. I'm not for Jewish me- methodologies. Jewish methodologies are some of the most cowardly, disgusting, vile ways of operating there is on the world stage today. Period. Now this strike, it took place in a very crowded commercial and residential neighborhood. It's in East Baghdad. It is also a site of one of Katayev Hezbollah's offices. 
And, of course, it was in the Iraqi capital itself. It's kind of like being in Washington, D.C. It says here, a former U.S. Uh, official said the strike appeared to have used a version of the Hellfire missile called a R-9X with an inert rather than explosive warhead used in U.S. counterterrorism strikes. Again, this whole thing of U.S. counterterrorism is just the deep state gone wild. Again, it's the deep state gone wild. Oh, the deep state gets to declare whatever they want because they're out there doing whatever the hell they want. In the meantime, American U.S. interests suffer. Because guess what's happening now? You've got a complete freaking hornet's nest of Iraqis saying, get the frick out of our country, you freaking psychopaths. It's being nice. So guess what's happening? The deep state... The, loon, the loons running the deep state. Oh, let's go murder this guy today. Yeah, let's go murder that guy today. Oh, we're such heroes. Yay. Now, the Iraqis have said, enough is enough is enough is enough is enough. Get the frick out of our country, you freaking lunatics. Nobody authorized you to go murdering people in our cities. It's a very big embarrassment for you to go murder people without us. Why don't you call us and maybe we bring the guy in and we talk to him and then you could talk to him. But it's our country. We we can't go we can't go arrest the guy and bring him in for questioning so you can talk to him. Instead, you're just going to go murder the guy in cold blood on our streets. You freaking loons! All you deep deep state morons! You're freaking stupid. Because frankly, if he's that guilty and you got all this stuff on him, have him arrested by the Iraqi authorities and put pressure on them. You just don't go murder people in cold blood anytime you want. Oh, they're terrorists. Yeah, you're freaking Jewish, you freaking morons. Why don't you just say, watch, look how I can be a Jew every day? Because that's how Jews operate. There were three officials inside of Rafah today. All politicians, all part of the security, but the civilian security. And what did Jews do? They just went out and they just murdered them, cold blood. Everywhere you turn around, Jews are murdering people in cold blood. So does the American D. Cowards. Bunch of freaking losers. And everywhere you look, seriously, everywhere you look, this is the way Jews operate. Murdering people in cold blood. Assassinating people everywhere you go. Doesn't matter what country it is, just assassinate them. And again, this layer of absolute Talmudic stupidity has to stop. And the deep state people behind it should be arrested, tried, and executed for murder. Again, you want to live by a rule of law? Or you want to live by the rule of the jungle? Where these people can murder anytime they want. Because that's what we've been living under for literally decades now. Tayyab Hezbollah is a military wing. It's a military wing. It is attacking, or they're claiming responsibility, for numerous attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq. It also had come out just a week before saying that it would stop all attacks on U.S. troops, and then the U.S. does this. Deep state morons. It's a fetch after this.
CEO of United Airlines last month, the CEO, he announced of all the hiring for all the new pilots that are coming up this year, all the hiring for the new pilots, the main focus is going to be diversity. What? <laughs> diversity? Not the best pilots you can find? The ones with the most hours and experience? Nope, diversity. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of flying all the time with these white pilots landing safely and on time. <laughs> Boring. The Fetch and Inside the Eye Live is not always so serious, guys. You know, we have a lot of fun on this show, but it just you can't tell. <laughs> We're trying to be serious all the time, but at three. Heck, my chat room is so dead right now. It's like I got nine people there. Join us in the chat room, everybody. Inside the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I'm so honored to be your first guest. That is, you are my great. guest. Yeah, it's kind of cool, huh? Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. Know, think, One of the most- I, I'm thinking about being a lady co-host. What do you think? I should add a lady co-host to this? Just, we'll just change the whole format for Thursday. I'll I think it's nice if you've got someone you can bounce on. You should be careful if you use Lady <laughs> Oh, dear. Is this live? <laughs> Actually, yes, it is. I'm not listening to this. I'm not listening back to this part. You this. know, maybe maybe Grizzlin is going to cut this part out. He's going to cut it out and say, this wasn't live. I know they were making a mistake. <laughs> Hello, welcome back. I need to make those breaks longer, Russ. All right. Hey, welcome back, guys. Inside the LI. Peakfreeradio.com forward slash ITO. And, of course, uh, inside the com. Excuse me while I kind of snack here. A sort of snack. Yeah, it's inside the com forward slash live. Dash chat or just hit the live chat button. Three two three two seven five. A one three one four. That's one three two three two seven five. One three one four. So I can get this clip to play. Yes, I can get the play, but you gotta unmute it, huh? Of this underground 
is what we are going to do till the very end. I would like to emphasize once again, there is no other solution other than this complete and decisive victory, because otherwise it is just a matter of time till the next massacre, and the axis of terror from Iran will continue. So only by destroying Hamas will we have security for the state of Israel in the north and in the south, because Hamas would like to radiate its terror all over the Middle East. I said to the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, we're just a touch away, a finger away from that decisive victory. All right, that was Netanyahu speaking in Tel Aviv. And uh, frankly, that's the big issue, too, going on today, is the ongoing genocide, really, inside of Gaza. And, and a genocide it is. <clears throat> now, here's a funny thing. And it's not really so funny, but it's kind of funny. There was an interview with uh, the Crown Prince here, Mohammed bin Salman. And it was about Iran getting the nuclear bomb. Now, for those of us who are Americans... <clears throat> We've been listening to a con man, a psychopath, but he's still a con man, uh, Netanyahu, talk about Iran getting the nuclear bomb since 1991. Let me say that again, folks. This con man, Benjamin Netanyahu, and he's just a con man. He offers nothing to humanity. He's just a con man. has no other value, so he's going to just steal from the public as as a con man. Well, he's been talking about Iran getting a nuclear weapon since 1991. Let me add this up. 91, 2001, 2011, 2021, and we're now in 2024. This con, this freaking con, this fucking, excuse my language, this jerk. This con man has been going on for 33 years about Iran getting a bomb. 33 freaking years. We've been listening to this moron talk about Iran getting a nuclear bomb. There was an interview with MBS, Mohammed bin Salman. He's the crown prince here. Really, he is a pretty much not, he's not the ruler because that would be disrespectful to his father, but he wields a lot of power, put it that way. But trust me, if his father said you're not in power, I'm sure he would just have to abdicate, you know, that type of thing. Uh, don't get me, don't get me too involved in the politics here, but that, you know, you just try to respect where it's due. Anyways, MBS is on some station talking about Iran getting the bomb and they're saying, would Iran get, and, and MBS is kind of laughing that the interview was conducted in English and he said something to the effect that it's rather stupid for Iran to really actually go get the bomb because you can't use it. The second you use it, you're really declaring war on the entire world. And he mentioned the cases, what would happen if Iran used the bomb and they killed 100,000 people? That's like saying you've just declared war on the entire world. So you can't use the bomb even if you get it. So it's kind of stupid to spend all your money to go get it. And I thought to myself, you know, MBS, if you think about it, if the U.S. didn't stop the massive level of uh, attacks against Gaza, the Israelis would have killed, by now, the equivalent of what you just said, 100,000 people. Had the United States not kind of pressured the Israelis to intervene and stop using 2,000-pound bombs on basically civilian targets everywhere. 
In other words, creating bomb, what do you call this? Bomb, uh, bomb, what's that? Di- not diameter. Yeah, bomb diameters. I can, there's a better word for this, for sure. What is it? Bomb, ex- not explosion. What would the word be? Bomb, 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 bomb. It, kill zones. I think they just call them kill zones, I think. Creating bomb kill zones that basically overlapped and you were destroying whole neighborhoods with just nine bombs instead of one nuclear bomb. So I think, you know, MBS, think about it. What you just said there. The Jewish state, through killing close to 33,000 people right now, is killed already 33%. They've wounded another 68,000. They have now hurt, killed, or maimed over 100,000 people in the span of 100 days which is very much equivalent to the 100,000 number you gave about using the bomb and how 100,000 people would be like a declaration of war against the world. In a very real way, the Jewish state has met the criteria set by MBS as having declared war on humanity itself. Now, I don't think the crown prince saw this coming because he was only talking about a nuclear weapon. However, think about it. Same number, 100,000. The Jewish state has killed over 100,000 people in the span of a little over 100 days. Well, now they're going to go in. They've already depopulated northern Gaza. They've they've literally created to where they're, they're, it's not usable. It's literally just rubble. There aren't even there's not even walls. They've just completely flattened everything. That's how sick the Jewish people are. Make no mistake about it. These people are absolutely sick, disgusting people. And most of the people in Israel are saying, we're not doing enough. We need to be more destructive. And you ask yourself, how do you be more destructive than reducing the entire northern part of Gaza to literal rubble to where there's no place to, there's nothing. There's not even a standing wall. And the Jewish people are like, we need to be creating more carnage. The fact of the matter of what happened is this. Every time you hear about what went on in Gaza, or what is happening in Gaza, somewhere in the news article, I swear, just read it. Somewhere in the news article, it's going to say, October 7th, the Palestinians murdered over 1,200. They're going to drop this line in somewhere, maybe at the beginning, towards the end, the middle. But you're going to see this happened after the event of October 7th, where uh, Palestinians attacked Israel and killed over 1,200 people. The problem is, is that entire line is a lie. Even the Israelis now are admitting it's a lie. They keep spreading it in the Western news, but everybody knows that the 1,200 people killed were killed by Jews themselves. There was a military operation. Hamas did a masterful job, apparently, in taking down the Israeli military, literally took them down, captured a lot of soldiers, captured a lot of commanders, but guess what? They become prisoners of war. Does anybody understand that if you capture... A military guy, when your two sides are in a state of war, that guy's not a hostage. He's a prisoner of war. And there were some couple hundred others actually captured and brought back to Gaza. But you know what the funny part is? The Israeli military went so freaking loop ape, you know, they went so apish that the people who got to Gaza were actually lucky. 
there were some of the lucky Jews who actually got out and were protected by Hamas. That's the truth. Now we've learned that Jews have killed over so far 30 to 70 quote-unquote hostages, which could also be considered prisoners of war. Just killed them. And they're still not done. They're now going to go into an area called Rafah. Rafah is basically where all the people in the north have come down, and now they're going to have like a, there's an area of 450,000 civilians, and the Israelis now today are dropping leaflets saying, go back north, go back north, because they don't want people going south, because you have what's known as the Philadelphia Corridor down there, and the Israelis are saying they want to control the Philadelphia Corridor, because that's where all the aid comes in. Now, Jews, understand this very clear. Jews, as the occupying power, are responsible for the civilian population. Jews, being Jews, want to Jew humanity out of their responsibility and hand it over to everybody else, and that was called the UNRWA. The UN something, refugee something or others, the, the, the UNRWA. So what they did is they got we, the Americans, and other donors to pay for UNRWA, which were then taking over the responsibilities of Jews who decided to Jew everybody out of their responsibilities and hand it over to everybody else. It's not our responsibility. It's the state of Israel. Their failure to protect the civilian population is a war crime, which means that every single one of those politicians, military leaders inside of Israel should be arrested and tried for war crimes. Now, maybe you have to leave them in the Hague and let them die in jail. That's fine with me. But that's what should be happening. Or why don't you just do it the Jewish way? Hey, you in the deep state military, you got all these terrorists running Israel right now. Where are your targeted murders? Got lots of targets. You can start with Benjamin Netanyahu. He's just a terrorist. Benny Gantz, he's just a terrorist. Half of the brigade commanders, they're all terrorists. Half of the hell, the entire military of Israel are a bunch of terrorists. You got a rich target killing field. Get to work, guys. Show us you're brave. Come on, let's do it. Said you go hit some guy in Baghdad, ruining the entire operation that's in Baghdad right now. You're putting at risk thousands and thousands of soldiers in Baghdad because you're too stupid to allow the Iraqis to go arrest the guy that you want to say that you say is a terrorist. Okay, now go go hit the Israelis. Let's see you. Come on, tough guys. Oh, I bet you won't do that, right? Because you support terrorists. You're a terrorist operation yourself, and that's what the world is saying. That the U.S. military, and there's a lot of great people in the U.S. military, trust me. I just met them this week. Okay? I just shook their hands on the tarmac inside of Saudi here. These are all good kids. I mean, I'm old now. I can say that. Well, them are just good kids. They don't know what's going on. They're just good kids. They really don't get it. They don't get the bigger game. They're doing their job, serving their country, yada, 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 yada. But they're not like the Israelis trying to go out there and murder people. Okay? That's very clear. There's a big difference. We have within our clique in the military a very clear Talmudic terrorist operation. But I would not say that's the entire U.S. military. 
In Israel, I would say it's 80% of the military is Talmudic terrorists. And a very small minority are actually quasi-human beings. If that's a phrase we can actually use. So now, Israel is going to go out there and they're going to now try an operation in Rafah. 435,000 civilians. They're looking to try to take over the Philadelphia corridor, which is going to probably open up a wider war with Egypt. You got the State Department saying, well, we don't want this to become a wider war. You're freaking blowing up people in Baghdad. Your bases are being hit every single day across the Levant, inside Syria, inside Iraq. You're, you're attacking Yemen. Your ships are being attacked in the Red Sea. Israel's going like a bunch of wild apes, like which is what they are, just a bunch of apes all over Baghdad or all over Gaza and then on into, into northern, northern Israel. And you're telling us you don't want it to grow. You don't want it to expand. Well, what do you call it now, dudes? Again, are we dealing with idiots? Yes, we are dealing with idiots. We are dealing with morons who don't know basic English. So they will lie and scapegoat or they'll gaslight. They'll do whatever they can. Because when you think about it, guys, the world is run by con men. People that have no value to humanity whatsoever. The same ones that say you are the useless eaters. You're being told that by people who literally really are the useless eaters. They have nothing to offer us as a human race. They can't uplift us. They can't help us. They can't bring people to a higher state of mind. All they can do is bring death and destruction. We have no use for that. Maybe you do, but we don't have a use for that. So, you have uh, comments coming out of the U.S. administration that says here that the U.S. is insisting that Israel must stick to international law. And that is this week, the U.S. uh, apparently briefed Israel on a new U.S. national security memorandum that reminds countries that receiving U.S. weapons to stick to international law. And that was as of yesterday. The memo is a, a statement of administration policy that was sent out Thursday from the White House to senior cabinet officials responsible for national security to ensure its aims are actually carried out. Now, who knows what that is? Now, the truth of the matter is this. Israel as a state, if you want to consider it a state, and it's not a state, it's a colony. It is a haven for terrorists. Most of them, well, basically a haven for Jews and their terrorist mentality. Israel was never a signatory, and we could say this over and over and over again. Israel is not a signatory to the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty. By law, Israel is entitled to absolutely zero USA, because they must be a signatory to this. And second, they are a rogue country as far as U.S. law and U.S. policy should be concerned. By law, they are a rogue country. By policy, they're given a free pass, which tells us that our country is overrun by treasonous Jews within our midst. Otherwise, these Jews would stand up for American rights, American values, American law, and sanction their country. But their country is Israel. And they will not sanction Israel. 
I was watching a a piece recently, and the interesting part was that uh, these are a bunch of extreme leftists, and they were talking about many things. And Charlottesville actually came up into the the picture, and. This had to do with Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport is like one of the most loony people out there when it comes to the leftist side. But it's like even these people are starting to understand the lunacy of this Jewish Talmudic order that everyone's trying to bring up into this uh, being, this Noahidus law that will destroy all of humanity. So if, you, if, you, if you believe in the Obama doctrine, all right, you know, be nice to each other, whatever, there's no way you were voting for for Trump. It just wasn't in the cards. It wasn't happening. It was abrasive. He was racist. The media, yada, yada, yada. And he was a joke. Like, as, as New Yorkers, like, he was like, yeah, a, he's a ball busting troll. Exactly. He's a, he's a, but, he's a but shit But here's dog. why I think you're going to vote for him this time. Because you've seen what happened under his first term. You didn't like it. He's the, you know, he's the pig dick and he's got the mean tweets and he's orange. But life was good. There was no wars. The economy was going good. But damn, he's, a, he's annoying to look at. But you also can acknowledge that the media had a major role in that. Uh, a that, major role that in that. that. When you take a step back. Yes. You also acknowledge that. Because I'll, well, you've I will also, acknowledge yeah. that, you know, that one thing about the Charlottesville that, that, that I ranted about. Yes. And I was wrong. About the both sides thing. Yeah. yeah and, but, so and, and I respect so irresponsible. And I respect the shit out of Wait, let me, let me hear him out. Hang on. See, now here's the very thing about this on this particular podcast. Think about it. This fringe lunatic, which is how I view this guy, actually came out. And again, this guy is about as far left loon as you're going to get. Came out and actually admitted that, you know what? I was wrong about Charlottesville. Now, as you know, Charlottesville, hell, that was within our collective extended network. We had Lee Rogers, former Oracle guy, playing a very interesting role relative to Charlottesville. Again, that's how close we are to what's really happening across the world. And Rappaport is out there saying, you know, I was wrong. I ranted about it. I was wrong about Charlottesville. See, even these leftist loons, and they're loons, man, these guys are actually insane, are slowly coming around and, as some would say, they're getting red-pilled by what has been an extremely abusive, caustic media. Go a little bit more. What do you mean by that? You were wrong on that. No, because he said the, the both sides, you know, there's good people on both sides. And when you see the full quote, yeah, yeah, it, that wasn't what, what he said. And, 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 you know, I, I ranted on him hard for that. Mm -hmm. Hard. There's some video about it, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I ranted hard because I was like, what are you talking about, man? Because you got played. And here's what the, re this is why I think you're going to vote for Trump is because you, much like me, much like many people, independent thinkers, not the sheep. Realize we kind of got played a little bit. Yes, Trump ain't exactly the smoothest character. He's not, he's not Jesus Christ. No, but he actually, his policies and who he has around him are way better than what's going on there. And here's my final point. You see what's going on with the border. You see <laughs> yep. what's going on with the wokeness. You see what's going on with culture wars. And you see what's going on with actual wars. Yeah. Specifically, you see who the, the Democrats have exposed their hand especially the progressive left. You see what's going on between Israel and Gaza. You have three starved David highs on your chest right now. Mm -hmm. And someone who is a proud New Yorker your whole life, you see what the Democratic Party has turned into. This D-E-I-E-S-G, yep. woke manifestation of ridiculousness, <clears throat> intersectionality, decolonialization. 
you're looking at that and you say, you know what? As much as I can't stand big dick Donald Trump, you said it. At least he's fucking normal. At least he doesn't want to turn my boy into at a girl. Well, at least he's normal. Well, yeah. Yes. You, you, at least, his poly, at least he doesn't it. want to turn my boy into a yeah. girl. Yeah. At least he's defending Israel, not the fucking terrorists. And at the end of the day, I'm a reasonable person. Yeah. So like you said initially, I think I'm going to consider this. Oh, it's, I'm considering it. Yes. But to pull that, well, I don't know, we don't pull, pull levers anymore. Yeah. <laughs> actually pull that lever. Yeah, but pulling the but, lever for Biden. And, the, and then you're I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell okay. you right now, I won't vote. I'm not voting for Biden. No. I'm not voting for Kamala. I'm not, you know. But then I'm you not. can't talk shit. And you need well, to be able to talk well, shit. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, so as you hear this going round and round and round, what people are understanding is that they, the far left, even these absolute loons, and these guys are loons. I mean, from our position as far as conservative, traditional Americans, we are dealing with guys that are just... They have a, they have their platform. They have their influence, but we're ta- we're dealing with loons, absolutely insane guys. I mean, you heard the guy saying, well, at least he supports Israel, not the F and terrorists. It's like, dude, if you really understood American history, Israel is the British Empire. The Palestinians are the freedom fighters. The Palestinians would be the guys fighting for their land to preserve it from this colonialist Israeli in position on their lands. By the way, it's blast radius. Thank you for that. When I was talking about the bomb thing, it's a blast radius. Sometimes my brain goes dead. So these guys aren't necessarily, you know, all there. I mean, they don't have a necessarily a full brain on their heads. I mean, they still think the Israel's like this sliced cheese that is, uh, I don't know, next to Rogerford. I don't know, some type of delicacy. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, these guys are absolute loons, and yet they're realizing Sooner, I guess, rather than later, or later rather than sooner, that they actually did get played. And Charlottesville actually was something that wasn't so bad. And it was more about protecting our own heritage, protecting what is ours as Americans against this abusive Jewish DSCI, uh, DSDEI slash ESG agenda, which is nothing but a, a communist agenda by another lane. And these people, okay, if these people can get red pilled, great. That's where we're at. But when you really look at what's happening now with the state of Israel, Israel is uh, one of these countries that is a terrorist operation. It is Ukraine on steroids. Okay, if you thought what Ukraine was doing to Donbass was bad, uh, that's nothing compared to what Israel is doing. Israel is like the Ukrainian regime times 20 something extremely evil. And what has happened to Israel so far? The entire northern part of Israel has now been depopulated. The uh, The Israeli regime, the Jewish regime, really, has had to really evacuate all of their citizens out of, uh, out of the north. What we've seen is the abuse that Putin complains about the Ukrainians, which were the Galicians, and the Jewish Banderites were doing against the Russian people. Um, what what we're really looking at here is that the Israelis are these people again on steroids. They're they're just they're not even the same class. I mean, the Ukrainians, the Galicians, the Banderites, and the Jews running is, uh, Ukraine, they need to go to Israel and take more lessons. I mean, they're not cruel enough. They're not evil enough. They're not vile enough. They have to do so much more to really start to match the Ukrainian nation. 
I mean, the Ukrainians have to do so much more to match the Jewish nation. There were comments out uh, the other day from the Houthis. And, you know, the, you've got rumors of corridors being opened up by Saudi. And Saudi is uh, apparently allowing for a land corridor into Israel. So is Jordan. So is UAE. That's not really going over so well. And what people are saying locally, especially out of Yemen, is that, look, what the hell are you guys doing for the Palestinians? Where's your stance? What are you really doing? Now, we understand that the uh, Saudis came out with uh, some type of um, anti-Israeli response. But again, if you're keeping a land corridor open for Israel, you're providing them a lifeline. That's not necessarily a... Uh, a positive development. Maybe you consider it in your interest, but it's not really a positive development. The Rafa invasion here, which is going to go on, is uh, it's actually starting now. It's going to be disastrous. You know, there's there's numerous uh, rumors coming out of Israel right now of well over 570 soldiers killed, 12,000 wounded. Say this has been a disaster for the racist supremacist Jewish state probably is going to be an understatement. It's a bitch. Back with more right after this. the people who are most woke and who use the term privileged in that pejorative sense, which means you have to shut the fuck up. (laughs) They are overwhelmingly white, Mm. affluent, and well-educated. In other words, they are the privileged. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's the privileged who are telling other white people to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And the irony of this self-selected elite is that they're getting down on everyone else for being privileged, but what they really want is more privilege for themselves. It is a kind of greed, because on top of having all the money and the great education and all the status, that's not enough for them. They have to have the moral high ground. That white person that you see calling himself a liberal is the most dangerous thing in the entire Western Hemisphere. Let me tell you a scary story. An economics professor at a local college made a statement that she had never failed a single student before, but had recently failed an entire class. The class had insisted that socialism worked, that no one would be poor, and no one would be rich. A great equaliser. The professor then said, okay, we will have an experiment in this class. All grades will be averaged and everyone will receive the same grade. No one will fail, but no one will receive an A either. After the first test, the grades were averaged and everyone got a B. 
students who studied hard were upset, and the students who studied little were happy. As the second test rolled round, the students who studied little studied even less, and the ones who studied hard decided they wanted a free ride too, so they studied little. The second average test result was a D. No one was happy. When the third test rolled round, the average was an F. As the test proceeded, the scores never improved. As bickering, name-calling, and blame all resulted in hard feelings, and no one would study for the benefit of anyone else. To their great surprise, all failed. And the professor told them that socialism would ultimately fail, because when the reward is great, the effort to succeed is great. When the government takes away all the reward, no one will try or want to succeed. And that is socialism, my friends. A race to the bottom. You are listening to Speak Free Radio, the free speech internet radio platform. Welcome back. It's the uh, Fetch Inside the Iron Live. That's banjo time. That means we've got a half hour remaining in the show. Um, thank goodness it's been a relatively, uh, in fact, it has been so far, knock on wood. Don't know if you heard that, but uh, knock on wood, a... Um, uh, pretty technical free show. Uh, we have changed browsers. We kind of determined, do uh, are you doing this all the time? That the browser, since we're using a browser-based browser-based uh, feed, the browser we were using, which was Brave, which I like, but it kept freezing. We really believed it was just freezing up. So changed it now. We're using Microsoft Edge. Edge is apparently a pretty streamlined browser, so using a little bit less memory. I don't like to use any Microsoft products, but uh, nonetheless, we are doing it. Big statement coming out of Florida. As you know, Florida, at least I like their guy. He's black, Mr. Joseph Ladapo. I think I said that. Joseph Ladapo. He is now calling for immediate, he has been saying this for quite some time, actually, but an immediate halt to mRNA-based COVID vaccines, citing cancer and other health risks. Funny thing, I was over dinner uh, Thursday night before I left this guy to go get his flight, right? And he's showing me some of the stats from Italy. And he, he's like, look at the stats. How many, like in 2021, look at the deaths. And I'm like, it's a vaccine. Oh, no, we don't have proof of that. He goes and shows me another stat. Look at the deaths from this age group. It's, I said, it's a vaccine. And then he shows me another one. And at the end, the same spike, same year. Dude, it's a vaccine. It's like, what, what don't you get? It's a vaccine. And he's like, well, we don't have any proof of that. I said, yes, you do. When the vaccine rolled out, that's when you see the spike. 
There's your proof. That's all you need. Now, from there, you can investigate further, but start with there. Anyways, uh, Dr. Joseph Latipo, which is, again, the Surgeon General for the state of Florida, he seems to be much more all over this. I mean, he's... Uh, been anti-mRNA vaccine for quite some time, and uh, there's a little bit of a Fox local piece coming out of uh, Florida where his fight is highlighted. Fox 35's Hannah McKenzie is joining us live in the Alert Center tonight. So, Hannah, he says what's in the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines is a problem. Yeah, Luann, John, Florida Surgeon General Dr. Ladipo says he has safety concerns pertaining to the discovery of billions of DNA fragments found per dose in the Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. And he says those concerns have not been addressed by the FDA or the CDC. Dr. Ladipo says if the risks of DNA integration with COVID vaccines cannot be addressed, then the vaccines aren't appropriate for use in humans. He says he sent letters to the heads of the FDA and the CDC specifically questioning how this would impact humans in three main areas. Healthy human genes being transformed into cancerous cells, chromosomal instability, and how the integration could affect unintended parts of the body, such as the heart, brain, lungs, even the injection site itself. We asked local doctor Michael Sparks to weigh in. Dr. Sparks telling us with the state surgeon general saying one thing and the FDA another, health providers are left stuck in the middle. You know, new things are scary. Um, we, if we look back historically, we've introduced new medications that we were told were very safe, were going to be very effective, and they turned out not to be safe or effective, and they caused a lot of birth defects, things like that. So it's not unreasonable to be worried about things that are new. Yeah, way to go, guy. You're a great guy, Michael. Good job. But nonetheless, I, I was hoping there was actually some clips from Dr. Ladipo, but apparently he, he was dubbed over, so we missed a clip from him. Uh, so my mistake for that. But nonetheless, it's it's just a very big problem, obviously still ongoing in the United States and elsewhere around the world. Some breaking news is coming out of Iraq. Uh, there is now rumors. Uh, again, this is not confirmed totally. But there are some uh, statements coming out that there are some preparations for a partial or a total withdrawal of U.S. military forces from eastern Syria and Iraq, and they are now already underway. underway. This is according to, say, uh, anonymous U.S. defense officials. Uh, this step comes out again due to the increased pressure of Iran-backed militants and the call from Baghdad on Washington to leave the country. And as we all know, we talked about the story earlier. Because the deep state acts like a bunch of freaking lunatic ape Jews, basically. Just call it for what it is. You're just a bunch of apes, you know. Let's go murder these guys. Oh, yay, yay. Anyways, it's a complete withdrawal of U.S. troops could take at least 90 days. But that depends on the size, scope, and urgency it was reported. And again, uh, again, you cannot go kill people in other people's country and expect that they're just going to stand by and say it's okay. And again, a lot of these soldiers who are there in harm's way, uh, they're put there in harm's way, but you cowards who are doing the uh, assassinations are sitting in some office somewhere with your joysticks uh, pretending like everything is okay. You're not at risk of everybody, you cowards. That's why I find these targeted killings to be such so cowardly. They're not the ones in harm's way. They put everybody else in harm's way. They don't care 
about the, the kids who are out there just doing their job, so to speak, but they're going to go ahead and just from uh, 20,000 feet go kill somebody and all the soldiers in America be damned. Uh, screw these guys. Seriously, screw them. Uh, again, you don't just go assassinate people. So now to the phones, to the 831 area code. Hi, welcome to Inside the Eye Live. Hello. Going once. Hey, how's going. it going today? There, uh, you, a- <laughs> there you are. Hi, welcome to Inside the Eye Live. I was using my earphones. I just like to say I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. My name's Oh, Tom wow. Going to Monterey, and i just like to say um, how sad I am for John's passing. And, and I'm just, you know, I hope we can never forget him and his contribution to, to what we're all fighting for and thinking about. Well, you know, that's a nice call. You know what I mean to recognize, John? That's a very nice call, you know, especially for a first-time caller. It's even better. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, he was something, huh? He was certainly one of the pioneers, and, uh, you know, obviously you, he did the best he could over 25 years, something like that, 20 years. Yeah, you're a class act, man. He always talks so highly of you. I, I was on his email list here. And, uh, I rem- you know, I, I, I was reminiscing with my wife over listening to your old shows on archives and, uh, and some of the weirdest places on earth where, where your, your two voices were so comforting and, and wonderful. And um, we, we, we truly have lost something uh, just staggering. And, and um, well, let's just, let's just um, make, a, make a point to keep reading what he has and, and not let it just be the oblivion of the Internet. In, in, into nowhere because uh, you know even if you go and read his stuff from 2004 2006 it's so applicable and hard hitting and just awesome you know truly and he, he's it's, been tremendous over the years isn't it amazing how some some writers are actually their their work is is as timeless Honestly, there, a lot of what he said was timeless. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what year you read it. It's, it applies today. You know, it, it, it just applies. It sure does. You know, and, and, and he always say, Oh, I'm a beat reporter just going down the rabbit hole, no preconceived notions. You know, he went from just, you know, managing a small local paper in Vermont to then, um, kind of trying to turn it into an anti-war paper he'd always joke and you know bopping around just you know kept going and digging and digging and we you come to the same conclusion if you don't have any preconceived notions or you don't have a hang-up or you don't have the fear of, of retribution or losing your money or losing stuff he was an example for for all of us that way and like you said we all had our faults um but it, his were less than others, and he, he worked 18 hours a day, and he worried 24 hours a day about our future and about my four children and, and, all, and all, you know, humanity's future. Yeah, and people don't understand. <laughs> you know, all that writing, guys, is a lot of effort. You know, it takes a lot of effort to do writing like he did. You know, he had a last story he emailed um would it be okay for me to read it for 90 seconds? You know, last well, yeah, time. go for it. I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, John was John. So, yeah, why not? He can't be doing it here for himself. So go ahead. Thank you so much, Dennis. 
No sorry about tomorrow. Trust a Jew and lose your life. Hamas attack never happened. Israel media finally admits. When we grow into adults, our perception of life necessarily changes. The journey from innocence to enlightenment is frightening and disheartening as we realize almost everything. Whoops. As we realize almost everything we have learned turns out not to be true. I remember as a fifth grader using colored pencils to draw a campaign poster stating Eisenhower for president and then proudly holding up high as he drove past my house on a cold October evening on his way to delivering a campaign speech standing on a flatbed truck amid gently falling snow flurries in the town square. How many years later was it I wonder now when I realized that dark side of this heartless general? Once described in his West Point yearbook as a terrible Swedish Jew, who wanted to deliver salvation to two million German soldiers in a field in France before he came home and was treated as a hero whom everybody loved and trusted. Now the same thing is happening today as U.S. politicians ignore 20,000 plus mutilated Palestinians and mutter their cowardly standard mantra, Israel has a right to exist, as the internet is flooded with pious Jews out there. It is their objective to murder all the non-Jews in the world. About a decade later, after first seeing Eisenhower, I remember standing under the bright lights of Times Square as an enthusiastic young adult, full of energy, watching an endless melange of screaming teenage girls on a big screen TV welcoming the Beatles, four shaggy-haired young men wielding guitars for a concert at Shea Stadium. It seemed like the whole world was pulsating with joyous energy. Decades later, though, came a dispiriting downtown moment. And it was revealed that their songs were written by a cynical Jewish psychologist, Theodore Adorno, a member of the notorious Frankfurt School, and that the whole plus making hippies making love in the mud generation was little more than a broad CIA experiment to undermine the foundation of a rapidly melting, plasticized society. Good piece of chance? No, we never did. In fact, we have a fundamental misunderstanding about our entire history. We are controlled by a foreign power, and that power has decided to kill us all. And by now, the plastic society has melted, and poisons metastasized in the bloodstream of willing vaccine victims, stopping the hearts of even the doctors who said it was perfectly safe, while the clenched teeth smiles of pure politicians teach children that it's okay to die if they're feeling sad. Only if that was the only problem, the whole world stands idly by as the monster nation of Israel has arrogated itself to the right to kill anybody it wants, justifying its psychotic carnage with a pretense that has created itself, as it always does, of blaming the victims for crimes that has committed itself and then lying about it, and mass murdering children whose country has stolen and then claimed for themselves. Gods in the USA are now graveyard mirror images of themselves. One has happened, the other is about to. It becomes incomprehensible for normal humans to fathom how anyone could deliberately murder 20,000 plus innocent people over a contrived offense that has now been proven false, even as Israeli media brazenly admit the lie. This is the worst crime in human history. But wait, against all odds, the situation gets even worse. Remember that myth about the land of the free and the home of the brave? If you do, then remember that string of wars throughout the 20th century and now into the 21st, where American boys went to die chasing a phantom enemy who never really existed, except in the press releases of CIA massage shills working at your local trusted newspaper. And now if we care to look, the glaring hope stares at us in our gaunt faces as we silently applaud the point-blank shootings of infants who are farm animals to the cycle Jews, who pull the trigger and drop American bombs on Palestinians begging for food water and medical attention. But wait, it gets worse than that. The Frankenstein nation of Israel repainted Israel Armenian USA for all the foreign aid, all the armaments, all the thievery, corruption, swindling, all the dirty movies and addictive drugs, all the false propaganda from Jewish media and all the poison medicines, and the spectacular diagnosis and a foot on the global volume. 
which is quite an achievement of perverse betrayal. This is how thanks for all the millions we've given to Israel over the years. The word is out that the Jews are funding the third world invasion. 28 million strong, now fully over our southern border, bursting the budgets of every major city in America. While third world missionaries from China to Mauritania flood into the U.S., in a city large and small, luxuriating in free hotels while American functionaries pitch tents in the filthy streets of neglected U.S. slums. 28 million mostly young men sent here as a replacement population for the white Anglo-Saxon dupes who refuse to pay attention to political reality and believe what they hear on TV. These foreigners are treated much better than American citizens who are now punished for their patriotism. Foreign missionaries wielding debit cards and cell phones provided by our two-faced politicians with the streets need to help a Jew-owned White House in Congress, plus an army of NGOs all basically owned and operated by these indescribably demented, jaded Judeans. You probably don't remember what I saw, Mark. He was the guy who coined the phrase, wars are the Jews' harvest. Love is no longer needed in this bottom line world. It's counterproductive. No longer a fungible commodity. We'll ask tomorrow, was it you? Will you do something to stop it or just lay down and die? He always had that final punchline at the end that kind of called you out, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was a little bit muffled, but uh, guys, you know, just go to the archive and go back and listen again. I was able to pick up most of it, and that's uh, quintessential John. Um, and, you know, I'm listening to you talk. I'm like, you know what? We're kind of mirroring what this guy was saying, you know. We're kind of saying the same thing in our own different way, using a different medium. But he and I were basically saying the same thing, you know. He's kind of talking about the CIA shills and the universal, just the mass murdering, you know, just murder anybody because, hey, we said so, you know. It's almost like, wow, you know. Even the show kind of mirrored what he was saying in its own way, you know, through aspects of the show, which I find kind of fairly kind of macabre and interesting. Well, great minds think alike, sir. He had so much respect for you. Uh, it was, it was, it, he, he was your friend, man. He was your friend to the bitter end, and then he loved you, Fetch. Yeah, it's a shame. I was actually just this past week thinking of bringing him back. You know what I mean? It's a shame. What can yeah, I say? He had his. He was. He gets angry, and that. <laughs> he you know, something else. He, he was. Uh, he, he he deserved it. He could act how he wanted and do do what he wanted. And and I, I know he felt kind of ignored towards the end, a little bit. And um, you know, he was kind of hitting one certain genre of people. And you know, I'm 39 years old. And they're, they're, they're just everyone's brain dead this age, even. So it's, uh, mm. it's yeah, John, it's John, to break out. Yeah, John was my most influential guy. Um, besides myself, of course, I'm self motivated. But John was one of those guys I found to be an inspiration because he was actually saying what I was saying, but he was even stronger than I was saying it back then. It's like, wow. I'm trying to be politically correct, you know, and dance around this. And this guy was just hard hitting. And this is back in 2002 ish, 2003 ish. And I'm like, damn, this guy's, this guy's good. You know, he's saying exactly what I want to say, but because of my circles, I'm trying to dance around, you know, playing a little bit of coyness to try not to get banned so fast. And he was, uh, so he was somebody I actually looked up to. I would, I'd forget his name. I'd go back and look it up, try to find who this guy was, that type of guy. He was that influential for me, uh, in the early days. Not so much to, to motivate me to, um, say what I say, but just to say I'm not the only one. 
You know, okay, yeah, I'm not the only one. There's that, other people saying that. Yeah, that's, and that's what we get is, is we're all kind of here. We're, we're on our own island, we all kind of feel like. And uh, it, we do have the Internet, and uh, we, we do have a way to reach out uh, with others for now. But uh, let's just make the right decision every day we wake up, guys, whether it's through our purchases or it's through taking our children out of school or it's, it's staying away from doctors. We, we have an option to, uh, you know, not use credit cards. We, we, we can do what we can every day. Uh, not that that's going to overthrow the whole deal, but uh, it, it, it's, it's time we start doing something because I got four children that need to have a future and they don't need to stay here down uh, 10,000 drone swarm. You know, I, I just, I, I can't even imagine what, what they got in, in store for all of us. <laughs> Well, it's you're, great you're to have man, someone yeah. like it's great to have someone like you call in. We appreciate honestly new callers, especially uh, I guess today to honor John equally. That's kind of cool. So thanks so much for calling in. You take care of yourself, and all listeners, you guys take care of yourselves. Bye bye. All right, thanks so much. That's out of Monterey, California, everybody, and he came. The phone line, 323-275-1314. Hey, if anybody would like to call in and talk about John a little bit, any stories you got, why not? We only have about six, seven minutes to go. It'd be kind of awesome to hear from somebody else. If you got any cool John stories, um, that would be kind of fun. You know, if you if you do, that would be kind of fun. So um, we talked about, again, the U.S. is looking like they may have to pull themselves out of Baghdad. Uh, we've talked about Russia today. We've talked about Boris Johnson. And the last thing that people are talking about, especially over here, is the difference between Putin and Biden and how Biden is like American. People really under, don't understand outside the United States, especially when they talk to people like me because they understand I'm not. I'm, and what I should say to you is I'm not um, I'm not bashful. People know where I stand. I don't take it into the public spheres professionally, but privately within this, within my spheres, I absolutely am. I'm, I'm, I'm an open book, and they just say I can't understand why the United States, such a, a, an a, an amazing country, because people do respect what we've accomplished over the years, decades, century, whatever. How we put up with the Biden. They can't picture how we put up with the Biden. And Megan Kelly kind of like uh, was kind of on this issue today herself. Taking questions from the press, repeatedly raising his voice, misstating facts to reporters over and over. Mr. Biden then went to leave the room. But in what one can only imagine was a move that actively stirred the nausea and nerves in the pits of the stomachs of his core supporters. He came back to the microphone. My God, the stress. Only to then refer to Egypt's president, al-Sisi, as the president of Mexico. As you know, initially, the president of Mexico, al-Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow. You know what's funny is, is that just this little piece was out there, not with Megan and her commentary, right? I'm like listening to this and come on, dude, president of Mexico, Sisi, And, uh, you know, people are, are are looking at Biden and they're looking at Putin and they're saying, who do you want to work, do business with? And what was really interesting about Putin, by the way, is uh, Tucker asked him, you know, do you call? When's the last time you talked to uh, to the president, meaning uh, Biden? And he 
said, um, I, I said, I don't know. I just don't know. What am I going to, what am I going to call him for? Uh, what's the point to call this guy? I'm a very busy guy. I got lots of things to deal with. I can't be dealing with Biden right now. There's nearly not much upstairs to deal with. He didn't quite go that far, but that's kind of what he was saying. And yeah, he hasn't even talked to Biden in years, literally years. Material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. Oh my God. That's the third time this week, for those of you counting, that he has publicly confused the identities of foreign leaders. He also claimed on Wednesday that he had spoken to German Chancellor Helmut Kohl in 2021. Mr. Kohl, by that point, had been dead for four years. On Sunday, he said at a campaign event in Vegas that he had recently had a chat with Francois Mitterrand of Germany. Mr. Mitterrand, of course, was the president of France, not Germany. And much like Helmut Kohl, is no longer alive. Dead for almost 30 years, in fact, and was not recently speaking to Joe Biden. Yesterday, he also referred to red states and green states and mumbled through a remark we think was about Roe v. Wade. Said, uh, when I we pushed all these programs, I said, I'm going to be a president for everybody, whether you live in a red state or a green state. Making Roe v. Wade the law of the land. The law of the land. Roe v. what? Who? Ward? An unnamed Democratic ally of Mr. Biden told NBC that yesterday was, quote, the worst day of his presidency. And already there are Republican calls to invoke the 25th Amendment, which allows a sitting president to be removed for incapacity. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, a lot of people outside the United States are honestly asking that very question is how is it that a world power like the United States can have this, whatever you want to call this Biden character as the head of state? I mean, uh, think about how retarded things actually look to the world. Look how retarded everything is. I mean, this is like, Pod Harris. I don't know if you remember Pod Harris. Thank you for that storyline, by the way. But Pod Harris, a lot, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago. And Pod Harris is one of these genius Jews out there. And he said, hey, look, matter of fact, and we're proud of it to pretty much that uh, the wokeness you have in America today is brought to you by us Jews. Us Jews are behind wokeness in America. We're behind DEI. We are behind ESG. Everything about diversity, equality, and this agenda, it's all brought to you by us Jews. And it's like we all see how retarded it is, how insane it is, how unproductive it is, how destructive it is. But nobody wants to point the fingers at the Jews themselves for doing the work. 658, 600 plus, at least 650 for what I understand. NGOs, Jewish NGOs, are behind the current invasion of America. Now, I don't know about you. Then now you can add in Catholic charities, Lutheran charities, Methodist charities, many different religious charities. And I was thinking, you know, it's not easy. But one by one by one by one, everything has to be clawed back. This means all the money that went to these charities have to be clawed back and the people within them destroyed. Same with the religious charities. You actually sold out your country to globalist powers just so you can make money. And what about the landlords, people like the Roosevelt Hotel in New York? I mean, you're talking about one of the most prestigious at one time hotels in New York City, and it's basically been turned into a a haven, a staging ground for illegal immigrants. 
So these people were willing to sell out their country, their people, to make a dollar. And that's true of these real estate holdings across the Western Hemisphere, whether you're in Ireland, the UK, the United States, Canada, wherever. All of these people, all of these landlords, all of these landholders should be held to personal account for siding, aiding, and abetting an enemy. And I don't care if you make it proactive or retroactive. Just simply put an end to it. These people were willing to house an invading army in order to destroy we in the West. Frankly, I don't see how you, as a citizen of any nation, can be willing to put up with these type of sleazy scumbags that exist within your midst. And it's true here. Inside of the United States, I know it's very true in England, inside of Ireland. And one last thing, I think, before we go into a break is uh, Stu Peters. Uh, I don't have time for Stu Peters. I meant to get to this piece. Oh, well. Guys, that's the show. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks for all the calls. Uh, just remember John Kaminsky a little bit in your prayers. If you do give out a few prayers at night, uh, certainly say something to him, to his soul, and uh, let me have some peace here because we still have a lot of fighting to do. He certainly did what he could while he was here. So thanks so much for listening. Back with more next week. Good night, everybody.